What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Connect. My name is Johnny Mitchell, and today's guest is a man named Al Lindblom. He is a former enforcer for the Detroit Mafia. He's from Gross Point, Michigan, and he grew up connected and related to all the wise guys that ran the mafia in Detroit. I saw the whole picture very clearly growing up, and I was around it all my life. On like the third day of school, I beat up a dude with a building block, and I'm I'm first grade. They're all looking at me as like, you know, he's going to be one of us one of these days, pretty much. His uncle was Tony Giacalone, who was involved in the hit on Jimmy Hoffa and who ran Detroit for decades. It's seven o'clock in the morning. He says, you you think you can handle this? I said, yeah. And he's like, you sure you can handle this? I said, yeah, Tony. I laughed. I laughed. I said, yeah, Tony. I got this. No problem. (laughs) He's like, all right, no. Let me know how it goes. Al was involved in extortion, larceny, drug dealing. He ran a steroid ring, a heroin ring. He was a pot kingpin by the time he was 17 years old. I had an NFL guy buying uh, juice from me, too, and he was great. For the Lions? Yeah. He was also a bank robber. And during the course of one of these bank robberies, he took the cops on a wild high-speed chase that eventually got him locked up for 13 years. So I stomp on the gas and go... They actually called off the chase I was going so fast. While he was locked up, he became a writer, and he's written over 10 novels. He's also a motivational speaker, and he runs a great YouTube channel. Look him up. It's called Gunner Detroit. He also has a clothing brand, Our Thing Apparel. He has an amazing story, and he's here to tell us all about it. And I said, you have a bomb in the counter, right? If I don't get 75 grand in the next 90 seconds, it's going to go boom with everybody in it. Clock's ticking. Tick. That's when I see the lights behind me start to flash. And I didn't even think, I just hit it. I was driving like my life depended on it. Then I parked the car, hopped out, closed the door, and I started running. And he pulls out a burner, a shank, like six inches. And then he passes it to me. And he goes, here, that's yours. Don't ever leave the cell block without this. He was the reason I made it out of that place alive. Al, what's going on, brother? Not much. How you doing, Thanks bro? to get you out to big bad LA, dude. Yeah, man. It looks like Detroit around here. (laughs) No, still doesn't look like Detroit, but it's definitely out of my comfort zone. That's for sure. Mm. It's so weird. Right. I live in the sticks, the boonies in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Now here I am like dodging bombs and stuff on the city. Yeah, exactly. Nice hotel you put me in though. So thank you. Oh yeah. Well, you're very welcome for that. I had to do something, you know, putting (laughs) you up around, you know, homeless cities. I figure the least I could do is, you know, get you a decent room. Um, So, you know, your story you know, dates back to the eighties and nineties in gross point. It's where you're from mm. Detroit. What is it about Detroit and the mafia there that is so secretive? That is so, you know, they're, they're one of the last families that's operating that really has not had huge FBI takedowns. So why, why are they, why do they have their shit so tight? Why do they not have rats the way Philadelphia did, the way New York did and does, the way all these other cities collapse because of, you know, uh, Rico and and rats? Well, what is it about the D? There's, like I said, I'm no expert, like, but it's very different and unique in the regard that it's almost all family and blood tied or related through marriage. So everybody's kind of, it's very, very close knit. It's not like these other families that they're grabbing guys from all over the place. They are grabbing guys from the neighborhood that mm-hmm. are nephews and cousins and mm-hmm. stuff. And and not a lot of them either. It's just like, it's a very tight niche community. And when you're blood related or married, uh, you're much less apt to rat. And that's it. Yeah. Because you're going to, like when I got busted, 
um, the feds had me in a room and they were like, you know, they're, they're playing good cop, bad cop. One of them was talking about my girlfriend. No, you got that little cute girlfriend, Ramona. You know, you can go home tonight, sleep with her tonight. Just tell us about this, that, and that. There's a murder they were asking me about. And I'm like, all I could think about was for the very brief moment, I thought if I was to cooperate, I would destroy my family and destroy my grandparents. And my, like my, my grandfather could no longer go look his goombadis in the eyes. They right. couldn't be around them. Oh, you're the one who had the freaking rat grandson bust us and put us away. Or put us away. So, right. The uh, whole community, not just people involved, yes. but civilians, people that yeah, are just ancillary. Men and women, yeah. dozens, most of the civilians. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you're the one scumbag who rat us out. So I couldn't do it. I told myself right then and there, I'm in this room. Which is I, I they were you know back and forth good cop bad cop and I ended up puking puking on the floor I just got beaten I just got arrested beaten by six cops I'm all bloody and busted up I robbed the bank they were just like you know you want to go home today he says outside of that door is three different counties state police ATF they all want a piece of you but I have the jurisdiction right now if you help us and work with us. And I'm like, I'm seeing my grandfather, my grandmother, and my, you know, all my aunts and uncles and cousins. I'm like, I just couldn't be the guy around. So the moral of the story is that uh, I think that's one of the reasons. And the other thing is, I think, you know, again, I'm no expert. I mean, I just, I was around a few of these old mob guys, kind of got, got familiar with them, did a little work for them. And I saw the whole picture very clearly growing up, you know, I was around it all my life and watch how it works. And they're, they're very smart how they operate. Like, to get made, for example, back in the day, I don't know if I anymore, but you had to have a business degree. Think about that. Wow. In the ma- a mafia, you had to. <laughs> so the boss, Jack Tocco, had a business degree from U of D. So did his underboss. So all of them did. I think Tony Jack didn't finish school, but he went to school. All of them, you know, all these guys, they went to school for business. And, you know, and so you have a much, it's more run like a tight corporation. Right, exactly. And then the other thing is we talked about this grooming assets. They groom assets from, from young people. Like you said, they've seen someone who could be malleable and they'll, and they'll say, Hey, listen, you know, I'll pay for your college and somebody you, from the neighborhood, somebody from the neighborhood, yeah. usually a nephew or a cousin or something yeah. like that. It happened with my uncle, my uncle Sal, same thing happened to him. And, and your uncle Sal was, what did he grow up to be? An IRS agent. Wow. So now, let me ask you this. So this is the whole thing. That's like the departed movie where yeah. uh, Jack Nicholson picks out, uh, you know, the kid from sure. the neighborhood to become an FBI agent. Why did they look at your uncle Sal and and not want to bring him up in the ranks of the mob? Was there something about him? Did he, did exactly. he look too square? And they were like, you're better off being on this side of the law. That was part of it, but it's my grandfather. My grandfather didn't want him being that deep in. So right. They all respected my grandfather. Right. They, they, they loved my grandfather. These old men we're going to talk about, they loved my grandfather. They, that was, they were all gumbadis, like best friends growing mm-hmm. up. They all lived in the same neighborhood. They all grew up together, went to the same schools together. Right. Once they started having kids and families, they all went to the same, you know, baptisms and reunions yep. and parties and anniversaries. And very, very close. They even built their own church. They right. built their entire church for themselves. Right. This just the community. Yeah. And it's all the mob guys yeah. and then the other Sicilians from Terracini, Michigan. And so your uh, grandfather, you know, through the course of building these relationships, told the maid guys, the mob guys, hey, I, I don't want my exactly. son Sal exactly. to be, you know, a yeah. member of the mafia. But now well, he it, can do this. He can do this. Yeah. So now how would they use Sal now that he's uh, an IRS agent? Obviously, yeah, you exactly. guys are you guys are skimming on taxes, but w- w- he could let them know, hey, who's looking at who? look at these guys are looking into you. You're going to want to be careful. Exactly. Right. Who's looking at who? What? Who's trying to. Yeah, get, it's just, he, he had direct access to the same uh, f- files the FBI had. 
So as an IRS agent, he had right. literally the same access to them. So he could look at, see, you know, anyone who's been investigated for right. whatever, boom, he could see it. And then he'd tell you, yeah. Now yeah. you were telling me, uh, the last episode we had you here on the Patreon, you were saying that they have people in the papers. They have people actually, now I know this has changed now because everything is digital, but when you were coming up, right, the 80s and 90s, they actually had influence with the Detroit yes. newspapers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if they were, and basically, if they ran stories that the, the mob didn't like, they would go to the advertisers mm -hmm. and be like, you cannot advertise, advertise with them. this newspaper anymore. Shut them down. They, you can, they even made them strike. The whole, the whole place went on strike for like five months. They lost so much money because wow. they pushed them to the limit. They were, they were covering these art, you know, these, yeah. uh, I think it was the Rico case in 96. They kept running like that many, they ran, ran some articles on it. And yeah. then dude, the, the boss, you know, again, Jack Toko, who is my uncle, he's really a cousin, but mm -hmm. he's, you know, he introduces an uncle cause he's right. old. You know what I'm saying? Like my grandfather's age, he was a very just intense, powerful man. And he, he could wave a wand, bro, and, mm -hmm. and change the world. So if he said, if he, he, you know, go see somebody like Tony Jack or even my grandfather and, and say, listen, you go tell those people up there at the news that, you know, this, it's over, strike right now. And they poof, shut them down. Yep. And, or they would, or they'd say the advertisers don't. They were connected to all the advertisers. Mm -hmm. These, yeah. all these businessmen, they're all in bed with them. Yeah. You know I'm saying they just said, don't advertise to the news. And they said, okay, Jack, no right. problem, or Tony, or whatever. Because they might be paying them extortion money or they might be, the businesses might be benefiting from, you know, contracts or, you Could know, be anything. It goods. might just be the, out of respect. Yeah. If they just said, don't, don't advertise there, do me a favor. Yeah. And they'd say, yeah, no problem, right. Tony. You know? So obviously these are men of high intelligence. These are white collar. They're, they're blue collar, but they're, really involved in mostly yeah. white collar yeah. scams. They're they're They have business degrees. You are the complete opposite. You are a knucklehead from the beginning. You yeah. are from a broken home. You had yeah. your grandparents, you were raised by your grandparents, but you know, your father was an alcoholic, your mother, you know, okay. had mental problems. So did they make any attempt to push you towards college the way that they push their own children? Or did they just see you as muscle as this crazy kid from the beginning and say, we're going to put this kid in our pocket you know, Luca Brazzi style, you know, cause we're going to need somebody to, you know, we still need muscle. Well, they dude, you nailed it there, but they, I never was considered to be anything, uh, growing up that I was a bad kid from the beginning. Like when I moved with my grandparents on like the third day of school, I beat up a dude with a building block. I, I call him Luca Brazzi cause he was a big bully, bullying some kids on this building block. And I smashed him in the head with it. And like, I'm, I'm first grade. And this like sets the stage for the rest of my life. So I'm yeah. constantly fighting and getting in trouble. Now, now all the, the Italians are very gossipy. The women are on the phone constantly. The men are too. They all speak Sicilian and they all know. By the time I'm, you know, 15 years old, I've racked up like five or six felonies. I mean, I've been to the youth home. I mean, I got all these charges. They're all looking at me as like, you know, he's going to be one of us one of these days, pretty much. Yeah. Like, one of these days, this kid's going to be. And that's eventually what happened when I was, um, you know, I started selling weed just because I was starving. Uh, my dad didn't feed us. So I actually convinced some dude. To, it was a funny story. I drove across town on this raggedy piece of junk moped to a dude who was the only drug dealer that I knew. And I was like praying that he was there, but he wasn't there. So I drove. I didn't even have enough gas money to get back on this junkie thing. I had a $300 troop jacket and the guy had told me, if you ever want to sell the troop jacket, I'll give you half ounce of weed in my mind. I was like, I can flip this half ounce of weed and get it going. Cause I know these black crack dealers are always trying to buy weed from me. So 
This is what happened. I go over there with my troop jacket. My mom bought it for me. And I, this one kid, I'm not gonna say his name, we'll call him DC, but he was a young, like redhead kid. I knocked on the door and I says, Joe here. And his brother said, no, he's not here. What do you need? And I said, I need to talk to Joe. Maybe he wants to buy my coat. He's like, oh, it's all I got is COD, whatever you need. <sighs> I see this kid sitting on the couch. He's got a low rider parked in the driveway. Badass freaking low rider. This $50,000 low rider. This is 1988. And I look at him and say, hey, man, can I talk to you for a minute? This little redhead kid. He's like 17. He said, me. He's like, what? He's real quick out here on the lawn. He comes out and he say, I get him away from the house. They're all guys are all watching. I was full of guys. And uh, he's like, what's up? I said, man, listen, I know you're the man behind the man, you know, plugging Joe. I said, man, I'm, I'm hungry, bro. I, I'm just, I need a sack. I can get rid of freaking anything. And I can flip it. He's like, what are you talking about? I'm not the man. I said, bro, come on. I'm not an idiot. Look at you, bro. He's draped in jewelry. You got the low rise. I'm not a freaking dummy, man. I said, I'm telling you over the panic zone, which is the Oxford squares, it's all black cracked. Dealers. Mm -hmm. I said, mm -hmm. I said, they freaking will buy all the weed that I bring them. I said, my mom bought me this jacket. I'm willing to sell you this jacket for a half ounce. He looks at me, he goes, I don't want you to keep your jacket, man. Your mom bought you the jacket. He says, follow me. So he jumps in this low rider. I'll never forget it. He backs out of the driveway and I never forget. He plays the song colors from ice T song colors. Mm -hmm. And it goes, din, 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 din. boom. Colors. He's got like six 15s in the back of this thing. And it's going boom, through this. Sound like a concert rocking through the freaking neighborhood. And I'm like, what? I'm going to smoke bed. Trying to keep up. I go to his house. Long story short, he gave me a quarter pound on the front. I took that quarter pound. I called my cousin Frankie. And I said, listen, you come down and help me sell this weed, man. I need somebody to have my back. I'm going in the panic zone. And I, get, I can't just a 15-year-old white kid standing. What's the panic zone? It's a, it's a project. Um, gotcha. Oxford Cordova Square between... Uh, Quinn Road and 15 Mile between Grash and Grossbeck. It's all black projects. That's the height of the crack era. Height of the crack era. Dangerous yeah. they as just, fuck. Dangerous yeah. as a, They just hang out on the corner and people come through and boom. Yeah. Well, I had a couple of friends in there, these black dudes, my friend Sydney, and we would go there to his house and I'd always have a couple of joints. But every time I go over there, these black dudes would come in and they'd be like, yo, let me sell, get one of them good. Because she's like, you white boys always got the good green weed. I can't mm -hmm. get, all we can get is the dirt weed. Sell me some. And I'm like, no, I'll sell you a joint. I'll sell me more. Sell me the whole bag. But I'm like, nah, man, I, just, I need to smoke. I'll sell you a joint or two. See, they're like, man, just bring me whatever. So when I did this with Frankie, I went home and I bagged it all up in the ace, the whole thing, the whole quarter bound. And I said, come with me. He, he stole his dad's gun. He had this big 44 uh, revolver, big old motherfucker. And he just tucked it in his shirt and let's left it out mm -hmm. like John Wayne. They were saying, what's up with your boy, John Wayne and that gun. I said, I just got my back. And we pulled up in this, like there's a square there. And I said, yo, I got the good green. Who wants them? And they freaking cracked it. And every single one of them, like, I'll take five. I'll take a, like, I wanted to buy it all. But I'm like, no, boom, boom. So I sold in like two hours, this whole quarter pound. I got like 900 bucks out yeah. of it. Yeah. And, and I went back. And, and now uh, you're in the game. I was in the game. I, yeah. went, I went and bought a bunch of groceries. And, that, got, uh, I, and you're 16 at this point? I was 15, 15. Right. So now you're, so this was like your first real hustle was as a weed guy. Yeah. And, uh, and what other, were you ever kicking up? Two made guys with your drug money? Yeah, well, this is where that starts to get freaking scumbaggy because my uncle Pete, who was like, he was a, a mob guy, wise guy, but he didn't want to be in the mob. He told me very clearly, that's for a sucker. If you go, if you're in the mob, you got to pay up a bunch of money to some freaking old man, and he's got, he tells you what to do, and you got to do it. He's like, fuck them. It's like you don't want to be in the mob. That's what he told me. And my uncle Sal, same thing. But um, so when I was. 16 so i'm doing pretty good now by the way i started doing this with the weed because i was starving my dad wasn't buying mm -hmm. me food but yeah. that's why when it blew up really quick and within 
six months, I had like five guys selling weed for me, you know? Right. And now I'm blowing up. I got so much freaking money. I can't even, wow. I can't even spend what kind of, How many pounds a week are you moving? Not a lot, like four or five pounds, but you know. But out, but out in dime and 10 yeah, and 20 exactly, bags. Exactly. Yeah, it's a lot of money. It was clocking. I, yeah. was, I was like making like 2,000, 3,000 a week. Which you is know, a fortune for a, a poor yeah, kid. 1988. Yeah, yeah, no shit. Oh man, I bought a brand new four-wheeler. I, yeah. I got a brand new, I got a nice new Mustang. I had a Ninja. Yeah. Before I even had a license, I had all this stuff. Now, yeah. I want to talk about that because, you know, historically, you know, the Sicilian mafia uh, prides themselves or prided themselves on not drugs. being involved with drug trafficking. Now, you know, because it's such a small group, the mafia, and it, I mean, essentially it functions like get money however you can as an associate, and then you kick upstairs to the few guys that are actually in this fraternity. Right. But we don't really give a shit no. how you're getting the money. Yeah. Just don't tell us about it. About 16 years old, my I, my uncle had this cool leather coat. It was a badass leather. I'm like, I like that leather, man. I like that. He went and bought me one. We same size. But he bought it a little big for me. I came to my, I went to my grandparents' house every weekend, right? So I go down there. I got an ounce of weed stuffed in my pocket and like 800 bucks. And I put it on the chair. And he comes down in the basement. He's like, you want to go to the market with me? You know, that's where you go hang out, the Eastern Market. All the wise guys and all his like crew were down in the Eastern Market. I said, no, I'm going to stay watch football with grandpa. So he leaves and comes back a couple, couple hours later. He says, Lonzo, basement. And like he said it with force, basement. Oh, shit, this ain't good. And like I, I walk down there and he, he's holding my coat. And he goes, because he had the same coat. So he put mine on and he goes mm -hmm. in the pocket and he's got, now drugs were a very bad thing, bad thing, like, like horrible thing. He had been busted for selling cocaine like a year before. Right. And my grandparents just razzed him daily, like every day, terrorized him. Eventually moved out. You freaking dummy, dummy. Cause he, he, he dropped out of school like me and he's 15. He's dyslexic. And so he, they just terrorized him because he, he's a black sheep. He made the family look bad, dropped out of school, busted for coke. They were just on him all the time. Drugs, drugs, drugs are bad. Drugs, drugs are bad. Now, he freaking says, what's this? And he pulls this bag of weed out. I'm like, I think I'm in big trouble. I said, some weed. He's like, what are you doing with this? I said, I'm selling it. I'm trying to make a buck, you know? And he goes, this is bullshit weed. And he throws the whole thing at me, right? I said, what the? He says, Cameron, if you're going to sell weed, you're going to sell good weed. Comes up, marches me upstairs. I go in the garage, bunch of banana boxes filled with pounds of weed. He's like, take 10. It was good weed. Oh, wow. He's like, take, he's like, how much are you paying for those? I'm like, thousand? He's like, thousand bucks a pound. Take 10, go. Now you're working for me. Wow. And, and, and I freaking, that's when I blew up. I right. Started, started blowing right. Up. So you're getting the good ticket, the good weed at, uh, at the low low. But I had to kick up because yeah. he was saying, I'm kicking up. He's saying, you got to kick up because I'm kicking up to Tony and Tony's kicking up to right. the boss. So, but, so the drug money is kicking up to the mafia bosses. All the money's kicking up yeah. to the mafia bosses yeah. because I got, this is what he said. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. It's probably a lot of it was bullshit, mm -hmm. but, but he said, they, you know, they got judges on the line, lawyers, bondsmen, all these, you know, and so if you get busted, there's got to be money there to pay, yeah. to bribe them. And my grandfather, when I busted steroids, paid, bribe the uh, judge 10 grand. All right, you guys, let's take a minute to thank our amazing sponsor for today's show. If you're a fan, you already know what it is. Mood, Delta 8 and Delta 9 products. You guys, go over to hellomood.co right now to get an array of all of the best Delta 8 and Delta 9 products. Look, look, we got a, a Rice Krispie treat made with like some kind of uh, delicious cereal. We got uh, edibles of all kinds, cookies, and of course, incredible gummies. You guys, they are the best Delta 8 and Delta 9 products company on the market right now. You already know this. 
Go over to hellomood.co right now and use promo code CONNECT20 to get 20% off everything and anything on their website. And of course, if you want a free pack of gummies, use that promo code CONNECTFREE. All you got to do is pay for the shipping. They will ship you a free pack of gummies. Support them because they support us. Hellomood.co to get all of the best Delta 8 and Delta 9 products on the market. All right, let's get back into the episode. Wasn't there, you told me about this big time black drug dealer. Yeah. Remind me who that was. He was a Detroit, I think it was a heroin dealer. Yeah. And he was, he was working almost directly with a top, with a top boss from Detroit. What was that? Uh, So Frank Nitty Usher, that's a, you got to research this guy. I'm sure you'll, I met him once when I was in the county jail, actually. He, He was busted for not that much of heroin, like seven ounces, but he ended up beating it. But we became friends. I played basketball with him every day. I didn't know he was a kingpin, dude. Black guy. Black guy. Yeah. Well, it turns out he knew that I was I was Italian and a toko. So he latched on to me. He said, I know yeah. your people. He said, your Uncle Joe saved my life one time when I was a kid. I, like, a, my ball bounced out in the street in front of the store. And, like, this truck was racing down. And, and like, he ran out and grabbed me and, like, turned his back to this truck. And, and he, just, he just guarded me from being blown, blown away. And he told the guy, if you race down the street ever again, I'll freaking kill you. Because he was racing. Mm-hmm. And the old guy was like, I'm sorry, sir, mm-hmm. I'm sorry. There's a gangsters telling yeah. him this. So he said, um, well, so what happened with them is when he was young, Tony Jack, for whatever reason, talking about long-term grooming, they took him, Frank Usher, and groomed him since he was like 14, 15 years old. And they raised him like a mobster, like he was in the mafia. This is the rules. This is the etiquette. This is how it works. This is the oath. This is how you structure a family. You tiered, you know, protecting the, this keeps the, the boss protected and insulated. And they go, they taught him everything over like these years. Now, I didn't know any of this. I didn't learn any of this too much later from you know, some people who write, write about this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, so-called experts. I'm yeah. not an expert. I'm just, I'm just going what they said. But um, he ended up. So what happened was Tony was given, he was the plug. If you've ever heard of the Turkish uh, or the, um, French, French connection. connection. Yeah. yeah. That's, they were all part of that French connection. Tons of it were coming in and barrels of pasta sauce. And right. Tony Zarelli had a place called Spaghetti Palace and he'd bring this freaking big drums in and have kilos of heroin and they would give it to the freaking Frank Nitty and he formed um, Black Mafia family. Basically, that's what it was. He was the precursor to Black Mafia, BMF. Right. And so he Ray had this family and made millions and millions of dollars from heroin and then he finally got busted in this insane murder rap, right? Where, they had killed seven people, but he convinced them while they're killing, they're all about to kill him. He convinced them to let him live because if they killed him, he's like, my soldiers and family are going to hunt you to the ends of the earth. And he's also the plug. He's the yeah. heroin plug. So they, they let him live. Right. Wow. But then they charge him with all these murders. And he goes in. Oh, so he was the guy that survived this yeah, robbery, exactly. this home invasion. Yeah. His blood was there and stuff. So and they, so they charged him charged with him. killing all the people, yeah. even though they were yeah, victims. Yeah, they're idiots. They put all these bodies in a van and then like ran out of gas on the side of the highway. And Holy shit. Freaking guys. And so he had his blood in there. And yeah. all. They'd be, I'm just like, why would, if you're a killer and you've already killed all these people, they cut their heads off too. It's gnarly. Why would you stick around? Why, why would you kill him? <laughs> He's yeah. the main guy. You're right. going to let him come right. back. To, that's the guy that's going to come back and freaking kill you. Yeah. You're gonna let, he, he's the first one I would have killed. But anyways, they let him live. And so he ends up going to prison. And then but he beat that charge. Though. So what happens is uh, uh, Tony Jack spends a million dollars on to get him out on an appeal. Cause they're making so much money you know, yeah. out the heroin. They get him back in the street. 
and he appeals it and beats it and convinces the jury. The jury, it's all rigged. It's you have no idea how rigged. Yeah, that but is. this guy's clearly didn't do it though. <laughs> it sounds like this guy. I don't know. Why would you kill a bunch of people and stay in the van with them? Right. Oh, but he, I guess he fled the scene. He fled though. the scene, yeah. Ah, I gotcha. So, so he might have done it. Who knows? Uh, I'm pretty sure he didn't. But but here's the thing. The jury or the judge or everybody was paid off. Mm-hmm. I can't express you know enough how, like, I know that sounds hard to believe, but I could give you stories that you just won't believe. You won't. That, that. They, they have feds in their pockets, feds that will let them kill witnesses. Let wow. them. Wow. If you ever really want to look up something interesting, look up the Ritz Carlton hit. Um, this super fascinating yeah. hit called the Ritz Carlton hit. Um, un- unbelievable. Like they, they, they murdered a witness in a hotel upstairs while, the, while Tony Jack and his whole family were having an anniversary party downstairs in the hotel. Wow. There was a shift change, a 10 minute shift change. The two yeah. feds like, listen to this guy, this black dude mm-hmm. who's going to testify against one of Tony's associates, a Jewish dude as a bookie. Yeah, you know they're trying to get to Tony. If this guy yeah. testifies, this guy te- we're going to yeah. get to Tony. So he we had right away they tipped him on you know what's going on. Yo, Tony, we got ones talking. He says, "All right, bring him to this hotel at this time." And then during shift change, give us a window of ten minutes. That's all we need. And they said, "Okay." So two feds leave, give a ten minute window. During that ten minute window, two assassins come in, take the woman and put a bag over her head, take the kid, and they tie up the woman and the child, and they slit the guy's throat, kill him. And then they walk out, and five minutes later, the, the, the other cops walk in and find this. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, the DEA and all that are like, want to question, you know, mob about it. And, and Tony Jack's like, really? You think I'm going to freaking kill somebody during my anniversary party in the same building? Mm-hmm. Really? Mm-hmm. This is a great alibi. They couldn't yeah. do nothing. And right. So, wow. So, but that's how much powerful they are, the type of juice and pull they had. Yeah. You know, I didn't, like, from when I got busted for the steroids, I remember driving. My uncle was really mad. My Uncle Sal was driving, and I'm looking at him, I'm like, his grandpa know and he goes of course he knows stupid and i'm like is he mad he's like what do you think you know i'm just like Fuck, drugs you know he's, he's like, he said that you know he's, mm-hmm. what do you tell you about selling drugs i'm like man this is hustling man it's just steroids i didn't even know it was that illegal but it was it was they just classified it as like mm-hmm. class one just like coca heroin same mm-hmm. class I said, so, well, what- so the detroit mafia sorry to cut you off that's so that's really uh heroin and drugs is uh probably the biggest yeah blue collar kick up to them you know, yeah. you know, putting scams and, and gambling. I'm not counting all that. Yeah, I'm putting right. that in one category, yeah. but they really had their hands all over it. All like, over. like even, even top guys during that era, I think they call it like the pizza connection, right? Yeah. Uh, bringing it from New York and giving it to black guys who were making, who were making all the money for them. Yeah. They're, they were killing it. They were wow. making tons of money and they were making tons of money from gambling and, and, you know, missile contracts and bid rigging and, union manipulation and all that stuff. Let's too. talk about that. Let's talk about the scams. Cause you know, I love, I love a scam. I think it's what sets the mafia apart. You know what I mean? It's how they still make money well, today. What was, uh, I was involved in every scam. Okay. Let's, <laughs> let's start, uh, extortion. Well, extortion. Okay. So I was telling you on the way here, how I extorted a, a, a deli owner and it backfired on me. <laughs> this, this is me kind of being an independent rogue dummy. Right. But some people that are like, Tony was really good at really, um, uh, keying in on extorting drug. I extorted a lot of drug dealers. Right. I mean, if they were, if somebody said, yo, so-and-so's getting money, man, the guy's moving like 10, 20 pounds a week. Well, I just go over there and I'd give him like two choices. I go, are you cool about it? Say, Hey, listen, yo, this is our territory. You know, my family, my uncle, whatever. I'd always throw that in there. Yeah. Probably didn't need to, but sometimes right. they didn't even know. So I'd like, you know, Pete Toko's my uncle. Yeah. Then he kind of controls the weed racket around here, man. 
you can't be pumping 10, 20 pounds a week and not kicking up. What do you mean? I said, you got to pay a pound a week or a thousand bucks a week. Now, if they're like pushed back, then I'd knock them out. Yeah. And I just, I mean, I'd just be like, wham, and knock them out and pull the pistol. I said, you see how easy I could kill you? you see how easy that is? I said, next time. I said, what are you going to do, run and tell? Then your whole family has to hide for the rest of your life. Is that how you want it? Or you can keep pumping. I ask, all mm-hmm. I need is a thousand bucks a week or a pound a week. Yeah. You can keep going. And here's the thing. Here's how I help you. If we hear and we have the cops in comment, narcos, we have everybody. If somebody starts investigating you or you're about to get busted, listen, we'll tip you off, clean up your house. If you get arrested, we have lawyers and judges and prosecutors and bondsmen. We'll get you out. So that's what the thousand a week is for. So you're really offering a pretty nice package for a grand a week. That's not bad. Yeah, offering them a service. And most people accept that, I would assume. They all accept it. Yeah. Yeah, They all accept it. I I wanted to finish telling you about the, the, the one that went wrong. So I told you what I did, and this is the standard typical overlay for the underplay, almost like a prison extortion. Mm-hmm. You know, you've seen this in prison where I go to this deli owner in, um, in Hamtramck and I see, I can get to know him. I go in there, buy a sandwich or whatever. And then I send a couple of black dudes in there to like trash the place. Mm-hmm. And they bust up the place and then they leave and they come back a couple of days later and they trash the place. And the guy's going, Oh, please. He's a Polish guy. Yeah. So please, oh, come on, come on. You do ruin my place. Yeah. And then on the third day, I tell them, listen, all right, I'm going to be in there. You guys come in while I'm in there. Start tearing it up. They go in there and they start tearing it up. I, hey, motherfucker. I pull my pistol out. Freaking, what's up? They like, wait, I pull the pistol on them. They like turn around and run. I literally kicked one of them in the ass. I said, Bam, <laughs> motherfucker, I'll kill you. Come back and mm-hmm. you leave my boy alone. And I tell him, I tell the old man, I said, listen, give me 500 bucks a week. And, uh, you know, this won't happen. Like, I'll make sure none mm-hmm. of these freaking hoods. Well, he says, yeah, okay, sure. But I didn't know he was already paying protection to some other freaking wise guy mm-hmm. from a whole nother crew from the Zarelli crew. And I didn't know any of those guys really. I mean, I kind of knew who they were, but I didn't know them. They were kind of like a dunce crew that were very separate from the, the few men that I knew. Yeah. I was around like Tony Jack and some of these other men. I'm not even gonna say their names because they have kids and nephews and whatever, but um, they was a different sect really. So I get called in the Tony's office and I don't know what it is. My grandpa says, go to Tony's restaurant. He wants to see you. I thought I was picking up dinner and I walk in and keep in mind, I, I hadn't, I hadn't talked to Tony in a year, but he likes me. Tony likes me. I had pissed him off a bunch of times, but he always kind of came back and liked me, right? I go into this office, and there's a, I think it was Frank Bramarito, some other dude that was Tony Zarelli's driver or something, and Tony, Tony Jack was mm-hmm. in there. And I come in, this is how funny and stupid I am. This is how dumb as a punk I was. And so they let me in the, uh, the, the door, and there's a guy standing by the door. And like, that's at the bodyguard or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I look at him, this fat dude. I said, I said, how you doing, Tony? I said, this is the only thing stopped me from getting you, this little fat malaffer. <laughs> <laughs> and then none of them laughed. They all just like, shut the door. And they shut the door. And, just, and when he shuts the door, he gets under his desk and he hits like a latch. And he goes, you hear his loud clank, clack. Now I'm in here. So I'm just like, I mean, I was trying to be funny, but I guess it wasn't funny. Yeah. And he basically says, what are you just doing this guy and this Polish guy and Ham Tramming? What about it? I'm like, you know, he's under a Jeezy. That means that's in Italian. He's under RGZ. I'm like, I didn't know that. He's like, yeah, because you didn't ask. Like, what, I got to ask every time I want to try and make a buck? Mm. I got to ask? He says, yeah, that's how it works. Who am I supposed to ask? You could ask your Uncle Pete. You could ask Tony. Tony's standing there, serious as hell, just standing there looking at me. And this is the guy who was mad at me because I. So the Zarellis had come to Uncle Tony and told them, hey, this is your guys, boy. your boys yeah. uh, collecting from our guy yeah, that we're right, collecting right. from. Right. Well, he knew I had a relationship with Tony. Yeah. And he, he didn't know what kind of relationship, but yeah. I'm sure people were like, because uh, they the, the deli owner showed 
um, pictures and like, you know this guy? Mm-hmm. And of course, one of his guys is like, you know who that is? That's Pete Toko's grandson, right. Alonzo. I know, that's Pete Toko's nephew. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. And then they started asking around, like, oh, you know, he's got a, Tony Jack likes him. He's done stuff with Tony. He's a little pit bull or whatever. Yeah. He's like, so you got, I said, so I got to make, to try and make a buck in this town. I got to ask permission, They'll bite my ass. And they're like, yeah, that's how it works. And I wanted to say, man, fuck you. I mean, I don't, I don't owe you nothing, mother effer. I ain't got to pay you nothing. And he says, and they could, he saw it in my eyes, like my mother F in my eyes, like my, my F you, man. And he goes, you know something, Alonzo? He said, you can't beat everybody with these. He's like, one of these days, someone's going to come with one of these. And I said, you know, I got one of those too, Tony. I pulled up my shirt. And I said, I'm a good shot with it too. But I was being funny. But I said it in a way. I said, yeah, I'm, I got one too. And I'm a good shot. I said, so if they come for me, they better get yeah. me. If they don't, then I'm going to get who sent them. And right then, everybody gets quiet. Because it was one of those situations where it could have been taken wrong. Like mm-hmm. maybe he thought I was talking about him. Like I was like, oh, I'm gonna, whoever sent them, I'm going to get them. Yeah. But then Tony Jack starts laughing and calls me Patu Lapara. He starts laughing. This freaking Patu Lapara, what are you going to do with you, Alonzo? He's like, you don't think. And he starts talking nice to me and he says, he's going to be fine. He tells Tony, fine, blah, blah, blah. And Tony after that started you know, talking to me again. He liked me. I think Tony liked that. He's like, okay, so this is small change shit. You know, like you could see why the white collar mob doesn't like to be involved in right. uh, haggling over $500 yeah, a no, week. Exactly. Who gives a fuck? Give us the good shit. Tell us about the yacht scam, dude. <laughs> <laughs> right. I give a fuck about this well, 1920s this, extortion. Th- th- that was uh, just kind of to give you an idea how I became right. part of that right. world. Right. You know what I'm saying? So the yacht scam was um, my uncle Pete knows I can drive boats because I'm out fishing and stuff all mm-hmm. the time. He says, listen to me. Um, your cousin, we'll call him Anthony. Yeah. Your cousin Anthony's having a birthday party at Metro Beach. You know, his dad got him a gift and, you know, blah, 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 blah. He's like, we, I need you to, can you drive a boat? I said, yeah, I can drive a boat. I know how to drive a boat. This is a big boat. I'm like, I'm sure how, how hard can it be to drive a big boat? Freaking, I go to this party and there's all these kids and all these girls at Metro Beach. It's a huge party, right? Yeah. And everybody's getting drunk. And at the end of the night, he says, in the morning, spend the night on the boat. But in the morning, you got to take it across the lake to Canada. And then I'm like wait a minute here. I'm taking it to Canada. <laughs> He's like, yeah. He's like, you're going to meet a guy named Frank. Here's his number. You know, you gotta, a, they actually had GPS back then. So he was yeah. able, able to get me. Yeah. We got to go to this one Marina, call him. The guy's name is Frank. He's going to come meet you. He's going to give you some money. Yeah. Right. He's going to give you a boat to take back. I'm like, all right, cool. Now, what about like Coast Guard? Like you're on Lake Michigan, right? No, Lake St. Clair. Lake, like, okay. So, you weren't, you didn't worry about like I mean, yeah, customs were, or anything you like that. worried about that. Right. But there wasn't that many of them. You know right, what I'm saying? There's right. a lot of big boats. There's tons of boats on the right, lake. Tons right, of right. And so, but I said, I said, this thing is not reported yet, is it? He goes, what? No, what are you talking about reported? It's not still. I said, Uncle Pete, don't, don't, don't give me that bullshit. Yeah. Man. This, if it's reported, it's fine. I said, but I would prefer that you would wait till reported stolen until I get it over. Yeah, yeah of saying? course. He said he would, but I didn't trust him. I didn't trust him at all. I thought, man. So we partied on this boat all night and didn't wake up drunk and hung over and I jumped on this big boat. Man, it's a big double decker cabin cruiser, right? Right. So I'm way to freaking trying to drive. It was so hard to drive, but I was able to back it out and get it out of there and um, brought it across. And they gave me 8,000 bucks. And the 8,000 bucks went to my cousin. That was his birthday present from his dad. That boat stole, sold for eight grand. I mean, that's, that's what he gave right, the kid. I don't right. know what, he, what, he, what it really was, but right. it was eight grand for him. But so I said to the guy, this is where it gets interesting. I said to this guy, Frank, I said, you interested in more boats? He said, hell yeah. I'm like, what kind of boats? He's like, all boats. Any of these boats. Get, get some nice boats. 
So I go and to was my, Frank and he's a Canadian. Canadian was guy. Was he also Sicilian? Yeah, of course. And, and do they have outfits in, they were in Windsor? The, they, yes. They have wise guys up there yeah, too. They're yeah, they're all part, but they're really just satellites. Satellites of, of, of Detroit. Of Detroit. Yeah. yeah, okay. Guys over there doing rackets. So yeah. Like, so I go to one of my cousins and I said, bro, let's start stealing these boats. They're easy to steal. Yeah. I say, okay. So we ended up going, we, we started at the Gross Point Yacht Club. And there's like a guard shack out front. It's all beautiful with like, you know, like landscaping. Mm-hmm. I would walk up and I'd go, how you doing? I'm Pete Toko's grandson. I said, I'm meeting somebody out here. Like, and I'd say pure eight war 42. He'd be like, oh, okay. Tell, tell Pete. I said, hi. Yeah. We'd go back there and just steal the boat. We would go back there and drink. And when I was a kid, we would go, I'd take a bunch of girls and my boys and just pick a boat and jump on it and party. Crack the freaking yeah. the bar open and drink and get yeah. the music going <laughs> all night, pass out drunk. Right. And it's somebody in a stranger's boat. Some strange boat. Yeah. yeah. Then we'd even take them out sometimes. And then we'd come back and we'd just leave in the morning. And now, I'd how take, did you, now you're here to steal them. How did you, was there the key lying around? Like, no, how do you get the boat They're going? really easy to steal. At least they were. Um, you have to take a little panel out, so you need to screw the little panel out, mm-hmm. pull it out, and they're there. And there's a there's a uh, like a plug, like hot wiring a boat. Yeah, that's what yeah. it was, hot wiring. But yeah. Frankie knew how to do it, not me. Yeah, but he he was good. If you give, sometimes they were really easy. Sometimes they had the keys in them, you know. And, and then, you just brought these all across the lake to to Frank. Yeah, on the other side. So he was cashing us out. And how much how much were you making per boat? Not enough, man. Right. Probably five to eight grand. And these, and, and these they, are boats that are worth $100,000. Right, $200, right, right. Easy. Do you have to kick up to Uncle Pete? Or does he know you're you running this? Yeah. But, but yeah. Tony finds out, and he he gets mad about it. Now, is that an offense, you know, running running a scam without yeah. kicking up to the boss? Could that be a death sentence? Eh, no, or, not or that's just family. This right. Is, I mean, we're all family. You know what I'm saying? Right. They don't look at it like that. With right. like, I'm going to kill my nephew. This is, this is not Greg Scarpa or something. This right. Is, he, he was mad. Yeah. He's basically, he mother effed me. He put me in a room and said, what the frick are you doing? Yeah. Frank is my guy. Yeah. You're <laughs> right. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, I, that right is there. some bullshit. So you, you're took freaking, his, you took yeah. his connect. Yeah. So you're bringing all these boats over there. Frank is my guy. I said, well, he's only giving us 5,000 bucks a boat. I know. And if I, how much can I divide it up and still have it mm-hmm. working? He's like, from now on, you go through me. Yeah. So, I, so we did a couple more and we only made like $2,000. I'm like, it ain't even worth it. Right. Man. Right. Worth it. But you can see again, how the higher ups are making a killing. Cause he's yeah. paying you five grand for oh, a stolen dude. boat and turning around and selling it for a hundred. You know what they were doing? They were retagging them. And, and this is really ingenious how they were doing it. This is a perfect example of how smart the mafia is. Us little thugs in the street. We yeah. were like nothing. Yeah. These guys are taking these boats and what they were doing is retagging them, renumber them. And they were doing what's called uh, like ghost duplicates. So there's a boat just like that boat with an ID number and serial number of X. Mm-hmm. They would just take that and duplicate it. So if, and if you, as long as you paid the, you know, to get everything, your t- sticker and everything every yeah. year, nobody would ever know that there's two of them out there. Same boat, same everything, but there's just two of them. So if you get stopped, you're all legal. Cops never going to know that this one's not. Really. Right. So, that's right. What it, so you, they sold all these boats in Canada. And that's how a civilian in Canada could buy a boat and never, never know, and never have it reported stolen, and never, never know that he yeah. bought a stolen boat. Right? Wow. And these boats are like you said, hundred thousand, hundred fifty thousand. You know, some of them are race boats. Just yeah, crazy money. They're just giving me pe- us peanuts. You know? Right. Okay. So we've got extortion. We've got uh, theft. What about the burglary? Mm. This is a fascinating racket. A definitely fascinating racket. I was in the gym, met this guy. Who worked for uh, AT? Uh, what is it? Um, ADT Alarms, yeah. right? Kind of a square. Yeah. 
And this is in Gross Point, right? Well, the gym was in St. Clair Shores, right next to Gross Point. Okay, right? gotcha. So he's just kind of a square, kind of big muscle bound guy, and I feeling him out, and I say, "Man, listen, we can make some money if you can get. Can, can you get me the cheat codes to you know that the circumvent the alarms?" He's like, "Dude, I can do anything. I can deactivate them. I can. I tell you how to deactivate them. I tell you how to fry them. I can tell you everything. I even give you the code. I can even tell you when somebody's not home because they tell us." Listen, I'm going on vacation for a month. So if the yeah. alarm goes off, it's real. Because a lot of people open their door and they're half asleep right. and it goes off. And like, right. oh, sorry. Yeah. No. It's like, no, we'll be gone for a month. So they have a database that, you know, that says, hey, this, these people are gone. And though the alarms are easy to bypass. You know what you're freaking doing. Yeah. You, know, you can fry them so there's no memory and nothing, bro. That's what we do. Fry them. So, the so I wasn't a guy who broke in the house. I wasn't alarmed. I wasn't, uh, I was a driver. I drove the crash car mm -hmm. and I had the radio. So I had a radio in the front seat, you know, kids, cops or hear any radio chatter. And these guys would go in there. You had a box man, always a safe guy, and like one or two guys. And these guys would go into these big gross point houses and sometimes warehouses and other things. They would go in there for freaking hours, man. Yeah. Hours. Like there were times where they, like, I can't get this safe open. We got to take it out of there. We're like rolling the safe down the front lawn at four o'clock <laughs> in the morning. Taking your time. Just trying to get it out yeah. of there, right? And it's almost funny. They pull a van up and they load up this van and, um, and then they go. And this went on for about a, I don't know, probably a year. And I was, do you like, remember the biggest score? Do you, is there like a, a real lick that you remember that stands out? There was a couple, like there was more than one couple that was like 30, 40,000 in cash and probably a hundred thousand in jewelry. Yeah. You know, there's multiple times. Did you yeah. have a fence? Did you have oh, a yeah, guy? Yeah. That's where I was going to go with this. Next. Okay, cool. So, so my, my cut from this, I get to pick one piece of jewelry, just one. And of course, my uncle uh, had points in a pawn shop. So I learned about jewelry and, and gold and watches from them. And watches are always the gold, like the, the, the highest value. So if you know what you're looking for. So Even I, more watches more than chains. Oh yeah. Way okay. more, way more. Gotcha. Depending. I mean, you can watch, there are certain watches. If you know the brand, yeah. it can be worth 10, 20,000, $30,000. Yeah. Change is gold. It's meltdown. So I'd pick a watch. So I started collecting watches. And at one point I had like 25 freaking watches, you know, and then uh, when I went to prison, I told my girl to cash him in or whatever. And anyway, so the fence, so my uncle and his boy, this is an interesting story. They had a, this is what I did, what's called the pawn shop swap. So we were getting all this jewelry and merchandise, you know, some electronics, jewelry, merchant guns, lots of stuff like that. But you can't just sell it at the pawn shop, you know, five miles down the road because mm -mm. the cops come in there and do like, they do an audit of this stuff and they yeah. see what's been stolen recently, yeah. whatever. So we had associates in Chicago from the outfit, mob guys from Chicago. They had a pawn shop and they had the same thing. They had a larceny crew and they stamina. So we had a warehouse on Mount Elliott that was just loaded up with, with stolen merch, mm -hmm. like fur coats and even like bows, anything that we get money for. Yeah. And then we load it up in a, in a truck and take it down to them. But yeah, that was our fence. In so, so, the, so the majority of stolen goods that get burglarized actually move through legitimate uh, outlets like pawn shops. Yeah, yeah. I, there's another guy. Uh, I'll, I'll get in that steroid thing in a minute. We need to do that. And But this guy named Joe, he owned a, he owned a shop, a, a jewelry shop. He was like the high-end fence. And, and, and let me ask you this. So the, the pawn shop owners and the jewelry store owners obviously know that they're taking in stolen oh, yeah, goods. Right. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. how did you trust them? You just knew. They, they, you just know. Yeah, you know when a guy's right. in. They're one, they're one of us. Yeah, yeah. They're usually either connected yeah, or they're, they're actually made they're, guys. They're just part of the family. They're right. part of the crew. They're part right. of this. I mean, this is Joe DiMaggio. 
how I met him. Oh, geez. Hold on, we'll get into this because I want to talk about before we get into the the steroid racket, which probably might was probably one of your more successful hustles. But let's hear about collections and tell us about the first time that you collected uh, for Tony Jack and basically got in his good graces. Well, I think I should tell you this, the story how I freaking beat that the, the guy's Gumar up, and then that's how I got in his good graces. Yeah, yeah. So I, I this is I'm fresh out of jail from selling steroids. Uh, I did six months of county jail. Ended up at my cousin Nina's graduation party. My grandfather was sitting there with Tony Jack and says, "Can you get him some, find him some work?" Mm-hmm. But they're speaking in Italian. But I heard my name Alonzo, so I'm picked, I'm picked up. Yeah. And, and then he says, "Can you get him work?" And Tony says, "Yeah, I'll see what I can do." And and then uh, Tony got me a job bouncing at a nightclub, this really high-end nightclub. Like it, was, it was mobbed up. It was yeah. basically the, the biggest mob club on the east side, you know. But yeah. I was just a 20-year-old kid, so I was just, you know, I was meeting them and get, coming to know. Were you getting tips? Like, were people fleecing you with 20s no, no, and 40s to get in? No, like, uh, I, would never, I would never charge them to get in. That, right, that'd be right. disrespectful. Yeah. And they, they, these guys would come in and kiss me on the cheek. Yeah. Cousin Alonzo, and they hug me right. and kiss me. You'd never ask them for money. Yeah. I'm saying, you No, know, I thought, do, do they, they don't just tip you for favor? No, because that's like a family thing. You know, charging your family would be insulting. You know what I'm saying? They'd come in and kiss you and let me in. But I was getting to know a lot of these guys, um, you know, who I didn't know. They're cousins and uncles and a lot of them are older. You know, they're 30, 40, 50 years old. I'm a 20-year-old kid. But they knew Tony Jack got me the job there. So that had, I got a little juice because of Mm -hmm. that. I was a tough kid, constantly fighting. I was well known as the kid, like knocking mother effers out right. all the time, always fighting, always right. knocking guys out, right. always in trouble. And it was just, they all knew, they all right. talked. So Tony says, um, one day I get a call at seven o'clock in the morning and my grandmother yells down the stairs. She's like, Tony's on the phone. I said, Tony who? Cause I had cousins and stuff. It's like Tony Jack, the way she said it. Cause she, she didn't like Tony Jack. She didn't like him cause he knew he was a gangster. I said, Tony Jack. And like, she knew she didn't want me having anything to do with him. So I pick, they pick up the phone. I said, Tony, he don't answer. And he waits for my grandmother to like hang up upstairs. He says, listen, man, I need a favor. I said, sure, Tony, anything. What's the problem? He says, listen, this guy showed up. This girlfriend of mine, he didn't say my girlfriend, mm-hmm. his girlfriend of mine, her ex showed up drunk last night, slapped her around. He's passed out at the house. He's only a couple miles from you. You think you can handle this? I said, sure, I can handle it. I know what she's saying. I know what you're saying. That's the first favor the, the, that Tony's ever asked of you. Yeah, he asked me to punk out some kids for his, uh, his that were picking on his nephew yeah. previously, and I did that. I went in the backyard right. and said, bitch, I'll beat everybody's ass. Yeah. Punk them out. But this is like the first real thing. So he says, um, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. He says, you, you, know, you think you can handle this? I said, yeah. And he's like, you sure you can handle this? I said, yeah, Tony. I laughed. I laughed. I said, yeah, Tony. I got this. No problem. <laughs> he's like, all right, no, let me know how it goes. So I hang up the phone. I call my workout partner. His name is Dario. And I tell him, listen, get your gloves on. We got work. And he says, first thing he says, do I need my piece? I was like, no, just to bring up a freaking baseball bat or a pool stick or something. And I hang up. He's like, I'll be there in five minutes. So he comes and gets me up. And, we, and I put this huge gold ring on, which is the funny thing. It's massive gold ring, which has a crazy story behind it. I should tell that one day. But um, anyway, so I go up to this, knock on this door. And the chick opens the door, and I'm like, where's the guy? She's like, in the bedroom. Long story short, I just pulverized this dude. Just, mm-hmm. I mean, I heard him really bad. You know, I, yeah. I, 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 I fucked him up, bro. Yeah. Like, just face bad. Did you? Did he give you an envelope for that, or was you just did it on no, the strength? I just did it on the strength. Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. again, it's like family. You know, He gave me money, though, down yeah. the road. But then the next time, he said, listen, I got a friend who's got a – I got some friend who's got some work for you, and you need to uh, 
to help him out. I said, okay. And I mean, I met him at uh, Dimitri's, right? And mm -hmm. I, the way he said it, he wrote the number down. I thought it was like a legit job, like construction or something. He says, his name is Johnny. So I go, I said, all right, meet the guy. So I walk in, I see him, I sit down. I'm like, what's, what's the job? You know, I said, I hate, hope it ain't concrete. I hate concrete. He goes, what the fuck are you talking about, man? He's like, no, man. I got a kid that owes me 10 grand. He ain't paying some punk. He's like you, a young kid, big, tough guy. He thinks he's tough. Told me to F off. He ain't paying. So I go, I said, well, where's the kid? Like, how much is it? He's like, hey, 8,000. He owes me 8,000 what it was. Yeah. And I said, all right, 8,000. Where, where is he? She's like, here's his work. Here's his house. Here's whatever. I went to his house. He wasn't there. Yeah. And I went to his girl. He wasn't there. I went to his work. He was there. It's and, over a gambling debt. Yeah. Gambling. Okay. He was, he was gambling. Is this when numbers still existed? They or, had numbers or, still. Yeah, okay. They, the they, numbers don't exist anymore. They might do numbers, yeah, in certain like areas, black communities, right. Eastern, down in the market. Still, that's so oh, yeah, crazy. It's 2023, oh, numbers yeah, you, are still They just cooking. go around from store to store to store to store. Right. So, and people win all the time, so right. there's good right, money. Right, right. That's fascinating. I still don't understand the numbers, but we'll get into it. So let me hear, so, let me hear how you collect off a guy. So this guy, I go... And I walk into this like warehouse, big warehouse. They had a, something going on. I think they sold um, wholesale food or something. And I asked him, I'm looking for Marty so-and-so. I can't say his name. And the woman says, who are you? I said, this is somebody looking for Marty so-and-so. Uh, is he here? She says, he's somewhere. So they page him, you know, and he comes walking up. I say, I need a word with you, bro. And I'm thinking I'm probably going to have to fight this guy. Like, I'm thinking he's a big muscle-bound mm -hmm. kid. He's a little older than me. He probably can get tough. Like, if he told Johnny Nev to F off, and I think he, Johnny Neb probably said, you know, I book for Tony Jack. And if you're telling me to F off, you're mm -hmm. telling Tony to F off. Right. This guy's like F Tony too. Yeah. I don't know who Tony is. I don't give a shit. So I, I basically pull him outside. I said, hey, man, you got a big freaking problem. He's like, what? I said, this money you owe Johnny Neb. He's like, oh, I'm going to pay him. I'm going to get paid him when I pay him. I said, no, you're going to pay him now. You got to pay him now because this problem ain't going away. I said, I'm here to get the money. I said, if we can't get this worked out today, right now, then the next guy who comes, you won't see him coming. Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? I said, you know who Tony Jack is? Tony Jackaloni? He says, yeah. I said, that's who sent me. It wasn't Johnny Nev who sent me. Tony sent me. So you have a problem, bro. It's going to get a lot worse. And you're going to, you know, either you're going to fuck this up and have a really big problem, or you got to figure it out. Go to your aunt, your dad, your mom. I don't care who it is. Get this money. What he did, by the way, he, he double dipped because Johnny Nev brought him a loan shark from the track, from the racetrack, mm -hmm. the Hazel Park racetrack. I said, Here's borrow him the money to pay me off, so mm -hmm. I'm done with him. See what I'm right, saying? right. Well, the the loan shark gave him eight grand to pay Johnny Nev off, and the kid took that money and, and gambled right. somewhere else with it. Yeah, so he lost both. So now he's got to he screwed both mm -hmm. these guys over. Yeah, this is where the problem comes in. You can't do this. So I said, uh, "Who's got the money, man? Because you got a big problem, really big problem." And I, and I he didn't get tough. He didn't do nothing. He's just looking at me. He thinks for a minute. He's like, "I don't got it. I mean, you got anything you sell? You got a boat? You got a toys, four wheelers, mm -hmm. and whatever." He's like, I got nothing, man. I gambled it all away. I said, well, who's got money? Look at this big freaking business here. Somebody's yeah. got some yeah. money, man. He says, hold on a second. So he walks over to the phone on the counter, and he dials it up. And he says, Dad, I'm in big trouble. I got a problem. I need 8000 bucks. Please don't ask questions. I'll explain to you later. I'll pay you back. But for now, I just need the money. Okay. Yes, boom. Thanks. He hangs up. I said, all right, I'm going to go get the money. I said, you ain't going without me. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I pulled the pistol right there. I yeah. Said, I said, you ain't going out without yeah. me. And he looks at the pistol. He's like, come on, it ain't that serious, bro. It is that serious. Mm -hmm. Let's get it. So I said, you drive, get in the car. So I kind of held the pistol on him the whole, yeah. held the pistol on him the whole time. 
I was cool with him. I was really cool. I wasn't like a jerk off yeah. with him. And then he went and got the money, um, brought me to eight grand. And I, I called Johnny Lav, like I beeped him. This is back when beepers mm-hmm. up. I beeped Johnny Lav. He says, I'm at uh, Mr. Paul's chop house. This like famous mob hangout steakhouse. And I said, I said, right, I'm going to come see you. I'm, I'm there. So I come in there and I said, can I talk to you in the bathroom? I walk in the bathroom. And I was like, here you go. Here's your mm-hmm. money. He, dude, he, he, could, he looked at it like, you motherfucker, you, 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 you've been gone for four hours. You got the money. Yeah. He got, what'd you do? I said, I got it. I get the money. He's like, well, here's your 800 bucks. I got 10%. So give yeah. me 800 bucks. Yeah. And it wasn't always that easy, but that was the first time I collected for him. Right. So, so it sounds like the way that the mafia and the modern world works in a city like Detroit, it's a loose association of people, hustlers mm-hmm. that have different hustles, whether you're a loan shark whether you're a bookmaker, yeah. whether you're um, a drug dealer. And if there's an issue, if somebody owes you money, you kick up to the boss so you can go to him if you yeah. have a problem and say, I need you to go take care of this. Then the boss taps another loose associate, a, t- a strong man like yeah. you, to go collect. Exactly. It's all one thing. So. Now, are, are the, now, was that guy specifically Johnny, the, the bookie? Was he paying Joe, Tony? Yeah, of, of course. course he was paying Tony, but yeah. did he work for Tony or he just, that was his own business. No, and he worked he, for Tony. To, so Tony, t- Tony ran all the bookies. Okay. So, so they, they're directly, they're not independent. They're directly no, working are, for Tony. You, 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 when you set out to be a bookie in Detroit, you only can work for Tony. Right. Like if you try to be independent, someone like me is going to show up and go, right. You got to pay. Now, so, what about the loan sharking? Let's talk about that thing. really quick. Exact same thing. So if you want to set up a loan shark, say I got a hundred grand in cash and I want to start a loan shark business in Detroit, up. I got to ask permission first before I even well, back then, open yeah, the books. I, I don't know how it is now, but right. back then, yeah, if they found out you were loaning money out to right. bookies and degenerates. They would have made you pay. So that's essentially how you start working for the mob. You don't work for them unless it's bloodline. You only, you really only get made yeah. uh, if you're related, right. either by blood or, or by marriage. Oh. But you work with and for them by asking permission to open up shop. Yeah, well, you, right? they, you they see guys like me or yourself or yeah. whatever would get to know a certain guy. Like, yeah. let's say I had a crew of four or five guys that were all thugs and gangsters mm-hmm. and drug dealers and whatever, and I bring them around, you know, in the Eastern Market. I bring them to my grandparents' house. Mm-hmm. I bring them to hang out with my uncle. So everybody's familiar with these guys. Right. They're gangsters. And then one of them says to my uncle Pete, listen, I got this thing going. I want to, I want to start a book or I want to do this. And then he'd be like, okay, yeah. And he's like, how do I, you know, the basic thing, explain, you're going to be under me now. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I'm going to be under Tony. So you yeah. got to give me 10%, five to Tony, 10 to me, whatever it is. Yeah. And we'll protect you. Obviously nobody's yeah. going to, nobody's going to come and try to extort you. But if they d- did try to do it, like a loan shark. Right. And I've done that. I like Chaldeans. There's a couple of Chaldean loan sharks. I What's Chaldean? They're, they're Arabic mobsters. Oh, and, and, right. And they're freaking, they're gangster too. Right. Cause, cause you know, there are a lot of Muslims in, exactly. uh, what's the yeah. neighborhood? They're actually Dearborn. Dearborn. Yeah. But they're not, these guys are Christians. They're Christian, oh, okay. Christian Iraqis. And so, and they have their own mar- mafia. Look it up. They're powerful. They're gangsters. But there was a couple of young ones, and I, I kind of extorted them, mm-hmm. you know, because I could, you know what I'm saying? But eventually, they went and got one of their high-ranking mob guys mm-hmm. to go to one of my uncle and yeah. tell the him. To, so they they were still kicking up, but instead of kicking up to me, they were just kicking up to their uncle. Yeah. And they got me to get rid of me. They'd rather right. pay their uncle than me. Yeah. For extortion. But, I mean, but anyway, so, yeah, everybody's... Now, what about you specifically, since you are related by blood, you know, directly, 
your steroid hustle when you were still a teenager, right? Or your early twenties Were you tell us about that because this is like a big kind of pivotal moment for you. This is when you almost caught like a real case. Yeah. I, uh, so when I was like 15, 16, I was about 16 years old. I started working out because I wanted to get bigger for the mm-hmm. girls. And of course you think, you know, steroids will help. How do you find some steroids? So I got hooked up with these, these guys that sell steroids is a kid who lived across the street from me, hung around these freaking lunatics, these three huge mother efforts, huge, right? One, Mike McCauley was a maniac and these two dudes named Dave and they were selling me steroids, but I, I think like it was, they, it was all fake. So I brought it to like a real expert guy I met in the gym. Right. And they're like, man, that's some bullshit. Like here. And I said, can you get me a deal? This guy named Jerry, Jerry was still in high school and how I met him was he was going to high school with my sister. So I say to him, I get on an exercise bike at the gym next to him because I know he's the plug. Mm-hmm. And I say, Jerry, I said, uh, you might, I think you know my sister. And he's this big, giant mother effer, man. Benching 500 pounds in high school. Still in high school. That's right insane. Now. Yeah. yeah. Dude, huge, huge. And he looks over There's at no me. way he's alive today. Yeah, I don't if know he's where still doing I, he that. is alive, but I don't think he's on the gym. But Organs are failing. He's, he's one of those guys that I feel like if he is alive, it's a miracle just because of how crazy he is. Of was. course. But, um. But he says, he looks at me, he goes, who's your sister? I'm saying, Amory Lindblom. He, goes, he stops. He looks at me, goes, that's your sister? I'm like, yeah. He's like, dude, everybody wants a piece of that ass because my sister's beautiful. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I said, so listen, man, you know Dave Demers, Dave DeAugustine, you know those guys? And he's like, yeah, yeah. And like, they've been selling me some bullshit, but I think it's fake. I think it's bullcrap. He goes, oh, yeah, like fake garbage. I said, man, I got all these buyers, man, like at my high school, these kids at the gym, all these people, I need a, I need a plug. He says, all right, man, come to my, you know, here's my number. Call me. He'll come over to my house. So we started dealing together. Right. Yeah. So he, now, but who was the plug though? Well, I'm getting there. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. He was the plug right. at this point. And so I'm, I started to, you know, and I start to realize that the plug was this dude named Joe D. We'll say, call him Joe. Okay. D. Oh, I could say Joe DiMaggio, but it's in the paper. Everybody yeah. knew my, and, but this anyway, was his post baseball career. Not that, not that <laughs> guy. No, same name though. So, so this guy, Joe DiMaggio, was this big, short, stocky, muscle-bound mother. At the time, he was only 29, but to me, that was like an old man. Of course. I'm like 17 years old, so he was an old guy. And uh, so I knew he was the plug, and his whole crew were these giant gorillas, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like the smallest guy in the gym. Legitimately, I was the smallest guy in the gym, like 140 pounds, maybe 150. And so Jerry's hooking me up, but I'm not selling, I'm not taking steroids. Like, I'd rather have the money. So if I got whatever, I was like selling it. Like, yeah. forget, it, I don't need it. I've got pretty good genetics. Yeah. I'm working out. I'm blowing, I'm kind of blowing up natural F this. I'd rather have a hundred, 200, $300 for the, for the, for the whatever. So one day Jerry says, listen, I'm leaving to go to California. I got a baseball scholarship. I'm like, dude, I'm making all this money from the steroids. Like, but at this point I'm selling a lot of weed too. Not a lot, but probably five pounds of weed a week. Yeah. And now I'm making another freaking like maybe 1500 bucks a week from steroids. Just selling to people at your high school. And no, other gyms gym. and other high schools. Oh, all gotcha. the other high schools around right. Roseville, Fraser, East right. Detroit. All, I knew those guys because they all went to the same gyms. And yeah. I was like, yo, all these football players. So, And they all were just like, here's my money. I Give me, give me, give me. Everybody and, is just buying drugs in that city, man. Oh, uh, yeah. Everybody yeah. is just uh, yeah. buying dope. That's <laughs> crazy. See, wait till you hear what happens next. So by this point, I got a Mustang GT that's all pimped out with a Polo Alpine mm-hmm. limousine tint kickers in it, low yeah. profile. And I pull up and, um, and so Jerry says, I'm going to hook you up with Joe before I go. Joe to plug. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, cool, man. You got to do it, though, because I got all this money, all these orders piling. He don't. He forgets me and goes off to college. I got, I got five, $10,000 worth of steroid orders. 
I'm like, I got, I got to, I got to strap my balls on and, and approach Joe in the, mm -hmm. in the gym. This took, yeah. a lot, it took a lot of balls. You know, you're 17 years old to yeah. walk up to like this drug king. Like, I, and by the way, to me, he was, because he was Italian and his crew was all dagos. No, I just me, automatically assumed that he was a higher mid-level wise guy coming of up. Of course. Like, he's a mafioso. Of course. He dressed and acted like, yeah. so I approached him with very, with the highest level of respect. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I go up to him. And I said, Joe, I said, can I have a word with you in the locker room? He looks at me, this big, huge mother effort. Right? I'm so little. Yeah. He says, looks at me. I said, yeah, I, he's like, I know you. He's like, he's seen me in the gym, so he knew me. He says, yeah. So we walk in. I said, Joe, listen, this is where it gets funny. Because I said, all that stuff that Jerry was buying from you, it was for me, which was a total lie. Because Jerry was pumping. Uh, but Jerry was pumping like a lot. And I was just buying like a like a mm -hmm. fraction of his market. But I made it sound like I was the make it. Yeah. So Joe, I was like, you know, all this stuff Jerry's buying was for me. I said, but now he's in California at school. I, I mean, I got orders piling up, blah, blah, blah. And he says, I, first thing I said was, Joe, I think you know my uncle Pete. He's like, Pete who? I said, Pete Toko. He says, Pete Toko, this one? I said, no, Pete Toko, Peter Paul Toko Jr. He says, got like a bunch of sisters. I said, yeah, one of them is my mom, my sister, and my mother, Grace Toko. He said, yeah, I know them. I know, I know Pete, going real good. Good guy, solid. I said, yeah, that's my uncle. So I got in right away. As soon as he said, yeah, he knew my uncle, I knew I was in. Why didn't you uh, drop Uncle, uncle Jack? I didn't have to. Yeah. You don't have yeah. to because yeah. it's all connected. Yeah. I'm so young, man. If I say Uncle Jack's 17 yeah. years old, then now it's just name dropping. Yeah. Like just because I know Uncle right, Jack's the boss. Right, right. You're not, not, you're, not throw, you're not in with him yet. Nah, you're not going right. to throw a boss's name around when right. you're 17 years old. But my Uncle Pete, I could throw that name mm -hmm. and, and he jumped right on it. So he says, here's my number. Come to my house. He lives in Roseville. And I go to his house and he, and, uh, he opens the door and he says, come on, sit down for a second in this little anteroom. And he's, I got to finish up with a meeting with this guy. And this big giant freaking dude is in there. Huge. And the guy, he's got like a paper bag filled with steroids. And then the guy leaves and he says, come into my office. I go in his office and he said, he says, open the safe. I open the safe. He's got, it's almost like a walk-in safe. It's a huge, massive safe, huge. And uh, I walk in, his, in it is like, I don't know, man, maybe 5,000 bottles of steroids. And are you talking testosterone? Yeah, different right. kinds, all yeah. different kinds. So there's yeah. like 20 different kinds, and there's like each shelf got 20, 100 bottles here. Wow. You know, and there was a bunch of weed and there's a bunch of coke in there, and too. And it's liquid, liquid yeah. capsules, right? Some was liquid, yeah. some was pills. Yeah. So, I mean, so there was wow. pills. There was pills, there was liquid, there was everything. You just found the plug, the connect. Yeah, exactly, wow. the, the connect. And I say, he's like, well, what do you need? I'm like, well, she's look, what do you got? He's like, listen, just take whatever you want and just pay me. When you got the money, how's that for her? And I'm like, I'm like, hell yeah. So I didn't want to be greedy. Yeah. And I was like, so I'm like, eh. right, right. <laughs> so I, I put like five grand in a bag, you know? Wow. And he marks it in this ledger. Yeah. He's got this ledger. Yeah. Puts my name, Al, and then like yeah. 20 bottles of yeah. test, 20 bottles of Anavar, 20 bottles of, and I was like, yeah, shake his hand, boom, I'm out. So now about once a week, I'm over his house dumping this money. Dumping the money, picking it up and again. And I wow. looked, dude, I'm all dressed up. I even turned my kicker down when I drove down the street. So how much are you now? Now you're on. What? How yeah. much are you moving every week? Well, I was probably moving about five G's worth of steroids a week. And, but, and how but, much does each vial go for? Well, I could get like a bottle of testosterone for like $40 and sell it for $120. Wow. So, so you're so you Mark, triple, triple. Yeah. Mark, you're yeah. tripling your money. I, a lot of dude, the fake steroids were the best money. So off of five G's, how much are you keeping profit? Well, I'd probably make five G's a week. Wow. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. So what, what is, what's the full re-up? How much are you bringing back to him? Well, to make five G's, I'd probably get about 20, 2000, maybe. 
So I, I take 2,000 investment to make 5,000 right. profit. Wow. Yeah. So how crazy. many sales? So this is an incredible it's amount of sales. Non-stop. Non-stop. No, these guys are stupid. These, these Listen, this is how and I You're selling them to meatheads and, and meat football heads, players and people a, at the gyms. This is what I'd say. They're like, I want a cycle. I'm like, how much money you got? And they're like, and then the more money you spend, the better the cycle. So I'll make the cycle for you. you just tell me when you got. I got 700. Okay, I'll give you three bottles of test, this, boom, boom, boom. And that's it. Yeah. And bottles of this. Yeah. And so I just give them, but dude, I was scamming. What I'm saying is this is where the, where the real Italian kind of scumbag sure, scammer comes sure. in. They were making counterfeit bottles of right. steroids that looked so real, bro. They were, they were the, they absolutely real, but there was this cottonseed oil in them. Even the labels with the lot numbers, yeah. the crimping was perfect. Wow. And I could get those for like $5, $10 and sell them for a hundred. Were you also getting that from the same plug? Same plug. Same wow. Plug. He, so he's, he'd tell me, like, wow. this is fake. This is real. Yeah. If this is for you or your boys, get the real stuff. Yeah. But if yeah. you're selling it just a flip, get the junk, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And mark it up. People don't know. Here's the thing. If you're a 16, 17, 18 year old kid, right? And I give you a placebo, yeah. testosterone, yeah. fake testosterone. I said, this is only going to work if you eat good and work out. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you, so if you eat good and work out, you're going to blow up. And they're like, okay, boom. They come back freaking eight weeks later going, man, this stuff was awesome. Yeah, yeah. Like, and actually you're doing them a favor because you're not right. giving them anything that's Poison, harming their body right, and right. You're, you're motivating yeah. them to get healthy. Natural. Yeah. You're, you're doing it natural. So, wow. so, so they're paying you $120 for a, for a $5 fake vial yeah, that you yeah, paid for. Yeah, yeah. And wow. I, all day. And I, some guys have spent two, 3000 bucks. I, I had some. So you were just, what's at your height? How much money did you have? How, what was that business worth? I don't, I don't know. As I remember, a 17 year old I, kid. Did you make a yeah, hundred thousand? I had that? more than a hundred thousand. I had, well, I most, I had in cash. I think I had 70 G's under my bed, but I had an NFL guy buying uh, juice from me too. And he was great. For the like, lions. Yeah. I can't say his name. Wow. I can't say his Barry name. Sanders. No, Come on. No. We all know. This guy, he was, a, he was a long snap center, but he was freaking. And, and Dominican Sue. That's no, a cold organ. He, he was buying it. He was awesome. Cause I charged. Joey Harrington. Sorry. I, I would charge him like 4,000 bucks for like a $500 cycle. Wow. He'd like, right there. I'm so, like, so you're a teenager with huge money. Did you, are you still selling weed or did you oh, leave yeah. that alone? My weed was my main thing. You were making more money even than the, the yeah, steroids. Yeah, weed was my main racket. Now, did the, the wise guys find out and were you kicking up or? My Uncle Pete tried to make me pay more. But you're yeah. already kicking, you're already paying the guy who's kicking up yeah, to, to the wise guys. He so why would you have to pay again? It seems like an unnecessary tax. He tried you know? to get me to pay more because it was a steroid thing. Yeah. But at that point, I was basically F you to, I'm like, I'm not freaking, I'm not in the mob. I don't give a shit. Right. About and, and, and you're also, but you're also supplying a guy. You're also hustling and making money for a guy that's probably kicking upstairs to the mob anyways. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. Who Joe, Joe. Right. Right. That's what so, I mean. And by the way, these steroids, the, the real shit probably coming from Canada, right? Well, it's coming from all over the world, man. This legally this, legal steroids. No, listen, this so I'll tell you how it ended. Oh yeah. Let's, but, but let's hear it. Like the fake steroids. And when I got greedy, that's how I ended up getting busted. I, some dude refer, refer, so I, some dude I used to buy weed from like a couple years ago, I seen him at a club and I'm kind of buffed up and he's like, Hey man, give me some steroids. I said, yeah. He's like, I got a guy who went, went looking for some steroids. I'm going to, so he hooks me up with the guy and I said, listen, all I can get is methyl test, which is garbage. It's what power lifters use before mm -hmm. they work out. It's not going to build nothing. It's just, and the guy's like, Oh, I'll take a methyl test. I'm like, kind of weird. I'm like, all right, how much money you got? Oh, I got I'm, as much as you can get. And I sell it to him for five grand. I, boom. Two days later, he calls me back and says, bro, I sold that to my boy at work. Can I get some more? So I do it again. Right. Dummy. This guy was a cop. So, yeah. But so what happens is, because um, I was young and stupid. Detroit right? caught. He wasn't a fed, though. No, not a fed. It was a, it was a comic narcotics task force guy. Yeah. They, got yeah. A, they have a drug task force. Yeah. 
And so anyways, so one day I go into the gym, I come walking into the gym. I got my pullout Alpine. There was this, and I walk up to the counter and as I'm walking through the gym, there's a funny vibe about it. Like I could just feel someone mm-hmm. right. As though people were looking at me and everybody knew I was a little drug dealer. Yeah. The whole freaking place knew I was yeah. in with Joe. They yeah. knew I was a drug dealer. I pulled up bumping in my mouth. Is yeah. Joe in the gym on this day? No, he wasn't. Okay. No, he was I'm getting bonded out. But uh, I walked into the gym, but everybody knew I was <laughs> tight with Joe. You know what I'm saying? And I, as I walked in, the chick at the counter says, you hear about Joe? I'm like, why? What, what happened to Joe? She's like, he got raided last night. He's in jail. And I'm like, and it's just my heart drops because all I can think about is all that money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'm making all this freaking money. Anyways, so it turns out Joe was, Joe had been, was being investigated by the FBI for like two years. And they had everything wired up, surveillance on his mm-hmm. house. He was just, he was cooked, man. They, they, he had, there was 55 guys involved, uh, three different countries, eight different states. They had like 30 million doses is what they called it. Yeah. 30 million doses of steroids, over a hundred weapons, two kilos of cocaine, 10,000 rounds of, of, of ammunition. Holy shit. The, all these guys, it was a Rico. They got yeah, them all. Like, they got, got everybody. There's yeah. 55 guys. Yeah. And I'm like, so this happens and I'm just like, whoa. What the frick? So I say, I called Joe. So I come in the house and he's like, like this. He's like, come on, let's go walk the dog. Cause he raised Rottweilers. So he had like four Rottweilers. So walk, walk the dogs. So we're walking the dogs. I go, what happened, man? He's like, it's over. All he said was, it's over. They got me. And he's like, you know, you're in the ledger. So if they ask you about, you know, whatever, he's like, you're a little, little small time guy, but whatever, don't worry. And then my, this is, my, my, <laughs> this is the first thing out of my mouth. I was like, is there anything left? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, yeah, Tony Bomarito's got some, got a couple cases then. And he's like, go call him and, you know, I'll have him hook you up. And, um, but it, it's basically, it's over. I was like, damn. So then, like the next day, big tall guy like you is uh, knocking on my door. The guy ended up looking just like my parole officer. And he's an FBI agent. He says, I got to talk to you. I'm with the FBI. I'm shitting my pants. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I walk into my kitchen. My dad is not home. It's just me. I said, you know, take a seat. He got the ledger. He's got the freaking legend. Oh, yeah. And he goes, he goes, there's two L's in here. You know, you're one of them. He's like, one of them was getting like, you know, 50, 60, 80, $100,000 at a time. One was getting five, 10 grand. I said, hey, I'm in. I'm the little guy. I'm the five. <laughs> Put me down yeah, for the that's five. That's the little guy. I'm the, yeah. I just was getting it from my friends in high school and a few yeah. guys at the gym. Yeah. And he goes, that's what I figured, you know, whatever. And I said, am I going to be indicted over this? He's like, no, no. You're, we'll, we'll be in touch. We may be back. But yeah. They questioned me. I was like, what do you, you know everything. Right. He's like, there's nothing you can ask me. He's like, yeah, we got you on surveillance. Go, coming and going. Right. Got freaking 50 pictures of you carrying a bag out of his house. Right. Coming and go, coming and going. So no, no big deal. So anyways, then like the next day, I was, this is a funny story. I was getting ready to go to the gym. And my boys parked in front of my house, rolling a joint. He's going to drive to the gym. My boy, Mark, he's a, just a yuppie, pretty boy, kind of like mm-hmm. straight shooter square. Right? Yeah. And all of a sudden, dude walks up to the car and freaking in a leather jacket, sunglasses, got a couple beeper and a gun. <laughs> he's like, is Al home? And my boy's like rolling. He's like, what? He came out of nowhere. And he said, uh, I don't know. I'm waiting for him. So there was two of them. One of them comes walking up. And I come walking out of the door at that point, carrying my gym bag. And they go, Al Limloom, I presume? I said, yeah. He's like, well, I got bad news, man. Um, you're under arrest for conspiracy to deliver anabolic steroids on these dates. And I'm like, I knew the dates, that methyl test. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I said, that stuff was fake. And it says, 
No, it wasn't. It proved to be real in the lab. But even if it was fake, you sold it under the pretense that it was real. It's the same thing. Right. You got, you got to go. So we got to take you in. I'm like, and that was for the city. That, that was, was the comic Detroit, state. Detroit yeah, city. city. Yeah. yeah. It was a comic narcotics task force. So they, they got me. And so. So you beat the, like the feds decided to not put you mm-hmm. in the Rico. Thank right. God. You're yeah. just a little 17 year old exactly. pissant, even though you're making a lot of money for yeah. 17 not years like old. Not like those guys though. But yeah. yeah. But uh, so at what, what ended up happening to them? So they all caught fed cases. They so all, they all got fed cases. You know, Joe, Joe, this is how big they were. So Joe got originally, I got a big shot lawyer and he paid like 700,000 bucks for this lawyer. And the lawyer was like, Oh, you're going to get five years and blah, blah, blah. He says, fuck you, man. I'm, you're fired. He paid a million for another lawyer, paid a million Wow! and got that lawyer. And he ended up in prison for a nine month, like boot camp and like in the tether for five years. Now, do you think that's the lawyer used some of that money to pay off the right people? Probably. I mean, it's got to be, right? It's be. Yeah, it's, probably. Because, you know, that, that kind of, I mean, it's not like selling, uh, you know, heroin, but steroids is schedule one, I believe. They don't give a shit, man. Money's yeah. money, dude. Listen, when, 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 when Jack Toko, Yakimo Toko, the boss of Detroit Mob, was indicted for RICO in 1996, he was convicted of being the leader of the Detroit Mafia for 39 years. Leading the Mafia for yeah. 39 You are convicted. Yeah conspiracies to do murders and all these conspiracies and all they gave him one year in jail. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. And then, and then the prosecutor appealed it and said, that's not enough. He needs to do more time. They bring him back to the same judge and the same judge gives him nine more or nine more months. And like, a, a how's that possible though, Al? How's he, he it bought, possible? He bought him. Yeah. But, but when you have mandatory minimums, they buy the, the judge does how, what he wants. How do you, but that's doesn't make any sense. Judge because does what he wants. But the mandatory minimums are literally not letting the judge do what they want. He does. They did. I don't know. I, I got to look into look that. Look it up. It's just unbelievable. Uh, it's, it is unbelievable. It's very it's public. Unbelievable. It's very public. The story is, it's very stuff. Well, they must not have got him on any dope then. No, they, they got him just on Rico. Because, because if you get caught with five kilos of coke no and you're there, on the statute, there was no dope. there's literally nothing. A no, judge would never stick his neck out. But this is a federal, federal judge in a Rico case. And it was really more about gambling. Yeah. The name of the operation called game tax. So those are all basically conspiring, conspiring to do all this gambling and no shark right. or whatever. And he was the leader of it. Right. And they convicted him of it and he only got a year and then they gave him another nine months. So, and then, by the way, there was a, he used to write letters to my grandpa. My grandpa would read them to him. Yeah. Like, Uncle Jack sent me a letter and he's like, oh, wow, it's gravy in here. It's not even a fence. I can leave and go if I want. Yeah. I can you know, have women. And he's like, I, I get to go to my office. I get to leave the prison and I rented an office space so I can go drive to my office and sit in the office till six in the afternoon and drive back to yeah. my little dorm. And yeah, 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 yeah. Keep the mic. When the guy, you. when the guy's worth a hundred million dollars or whatever he was, he, yeah. he, he can, he bribed and bought whoever. Yeah. So Joe DiMaggio um, ended up doing, I think just s- several months. I ended up getting busted for that. The two hand hands delivery. Yeah. And that's when my grandfather bribed the judge. Right. So 10, 10 grand, 10 grand. He went, he went in there and gave the judge 10 grand and said, I don't want my grandson to go to prison. Yeah. And the judge. And I'm going to say the judge's name. His name is Jeanette, which is short for Jeanetti. He shortened his, right. he shortened his Sicilian name. Wow. Jeanette. He's dead now. That's why I can right. say his name. Right. So he just gave him 10 grand. The judge says, yeah, no problem. They put, they, they actually moved me to his venue and then boom. And I got county time. I got, you know, six months in the county time work release, but I got kicked out of work release, uh, in like two weeks, uh, got kicked out of work release because I was doctored up my schedule so I can try to get laid, go get laid. <laughs> yeah. And then I, then I got in a fight. Some dude took my cookie off my tray and I jumped over the table and this freaking started beating his ass. But then I, um, 
And then I went, did my time, and that's when I got out of jail. About that's when Tony Jack came at me. Right, that's, and then and then now you're so you're out of jail. You're about eighteen, and you yeah you kind of get ingratiated with mm-hmm. Tony Jack and his world, the world of the wise guys. Now the next ten years are basically uh, you making money, losing money, uh, extorting. Uh, I'm supposed to ask you about a few things. What's the first time you got shot at? I was, I was robbing a guy of a quarter kilo of heroin. And this guy I've been dealing with for a while, he was Chaldean guy, but he was kind of cocky and he got on my nerves. And that's usually how it worked. Like if I didn't like a guy, I would get into his good graces and then I'd, and I'd rob him. And this guy was kind of a cocky douchebag. I'm like, I'm tired of dealing with him. I'm just going to rob him. Mm-hmm. A quarter kilo of heroin is $20,000. So I'm like, yeah. I'm going to get this freaking guy for 20 G's. And um, so I tell him to meet me in the hood and we park and gets out, hands me the thing. I throw it in the back of my car and I take him 20 grand and I hand him and he, we're talking and like he's smoking a cigarette and he puts the money in his, in his uh, inside pocket. And then he's like, all right, man, I'm out of here. I'm going to go. And as he goes to turn around and go, I grab him by the jacket and pull my gun, put the gun in his face. I said, give me the jacket, my leffer. He goes, are you serious, bro? I said, dead serious, man. This could be it for you, man. This could be the last day, man. Don't make it the last day. You can make it up. Were you ready to squeeze when you uh, rob somebody like that? I mean, always ready if I had to, but I wasn't planning to. I didn't want to. You know right, what I'm of course. I wasn't like a sociopath. I just trying to scare him. But, I, you know, I just let him know, listen, I ain't playing, man. Freaking, you know, desperate times, desperate, me- desperate measures. So he says, are you serious? He says, yeah. So he starts peeling out of his jacket. But I don't know how he does it. But he, as he peels out of his jacket, he, like, twists around holds a gun, but his mistake was he starts shooting when he's like down low. So was, imagine if he was like this, and he was like, pop, 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 pop. He started firing. He was raising up to shoot me like this. And he was in the passenger seat. No, we were, we were standing outside. Oh, gotcha. We were between gotcha. two cars. Okay. Like between, so the first shot like goes that it hits the ground. Second shot hits me in the shin. I got a, I got a big yeah. hole in my shin there. And then um, the third shot hits in my jacket i found later because the bullet was still in the jacket leather jacket wow it actually went in here on this side and Oof. spun around and and landed up on this side wow in the pocket wow you're lucky you didn't get hit in the gun oh my goodness didn't in, get the a gut four, shot. in the four shot jam right so he had me dead to right and i'm standing there with a gun in my hand yeah he, he got he got four shots off before i even reacted i'm so yeah like, i was froze up i thought yeah. it was over yeah. all i heard was pop 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 and i'm like hey you got me so then, like, his gun jams, and I'm just like, bah, 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 and I start unloading. Yeah, he turns yeah. around and runs, and I freaking keep shooting him. Boom. Right. Wow. Yeah, I got it. What was that? Was that the same story you were telling me where somebody put a gun to your head? No, no, no. That's that's a really insane story. This is a good story. i tell you the story. So I go down the hood. I got five, six different black dudes I deal with. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? You because know, I, I dealt with a lot of black dudes. That's Like, I had friends and homeboys I hung out with, and we all they bought weed from me. Yeah. For years they were they loved the good white boy weed so i'd buy them weed but they sold crack and heroin we all hung out and we were like a bunch of drug dealers and hang out and hang out yeah so i go down there and i get the i had a couple different buyers but one guys i was working with for like maybe like six months quite a while four or five months for sure and they were always consistent the dope was good and i you know i was stupid i should have been buying like you know, kilos, but I just buy an ounce or two at a time right. and then bring it to my cousin, make four, five, six hundred bucks a day. It was good money, you know. Just what I did, driving around the yeah, city and just middleman in it. Yeah, sure. just whatever, no problem. This is just another little side hustle. You know, I got freaking fifty of them going. Yeah. They all add up. So then one day I go down to the house, this guy's house. I'll never forget him. He looked like Grant Hill. Remember Grant Hill? Of course. Yeah. So he, that's what he looked like, the dude. 
And uh, he gets in the car and he's like, listen, man, I, I was been paying $700 for ounces, right? And he says, um, it's 800. I'm like, I'm not paying 800 for an ounce of Coke, bro. I said, I go around the corner, just buy different people. Mm-hmm. I can get it. You're getting as good as mine. I'm like, I don't really care how good it is. It's going, I'm selling it. So he's like, it's gotta be, I said, nah, man. Now they know I got a gun. They know I carry a gun. I always wear it out. Like, it's not even like, it's out right here. It's sticking mm-hmm. out yeah. during these drug deals. Yeah. I'm not going to let them just, just get me. You know? Yeah. So he said, uh, I said, all right, man, 700, I'm leaving. He's like, all right, fine, 700. He goes in the house. Like, I need to rock, wait up, give me a minute. So they go in the house. They got a dope house across the street. And like, I see a couple of them looking out the window and they're like on the porch. And they're in this house looking out the window. And something don't feel like. So I back my car up a little bit. I'm in my, my girl's car. Uh, it was a Probe GT Turbo to give myself space, leave the car running, put it in neutral. Something didn't feel right, right? So after a few minutes, finally they, they get into, they get in the car. This dude gets in the car and he's like, it's gotta be 800, man. I said, I started to say like, well then fuck it. I, I'm not, I'm not, I'll go over here and get it from yeah. there. And all of a sudden I feel this against my head. Wow. And I hear, don't move motherfucker. Is this broad daylight? Broad daylight. Wow. I hear, don't move motherfucker. Now my instant reaction was, it was a joke. Yeah. Like they're just messing with me. I've been dealing with these guys for freaking five months. Right, right. I see right. them every day almost. I think it's one of them is just playing a game, right? Yeah. One of them's like, ah, I got you. Right. But then the guy goes, when it, he goes, don't move my, and then he goes, and he goes to jam, like rack, rack one. one. Jam, right? Yeah. And it jams. So the next. How did you, did you hear it jamming? Is I that, looked at it. Wow. I saw, I, he goes, don't move my effort. And I looked and the gun's sitting right there and he goes, and it goes, and you seen a bullet like sticking out. It jammed. This is God. God is on my side. Yeah. Now, in the next, like, one second, a lot happened. It was so fast that, I mean, I knew it was my life or his life. Like, you know what I'm saying? You, you, only have, you can't make a mistake at this point. This is your life. It's over. It's over. So in one smooth motion, I was just, I just, like, I grabbed the, the pistol, mm-hmm. you know, like this, by the hand, and pulled my gun. And I looked at him, because I don't know if he's got a gun, too, if he's pulling on me. So all this fast, I was like, and I'm pulling the gun. This dude sees the gun coming up. He dives out. He dives out of the yeah. gun. So I reach my gun up, shoot where I think the guy's face is. Yeah. I reach up there, pow. And the gun falls and like his hand goes limp and it falls down. And the gun falls in the back seat. I get an end of the gun. And I take off. Right. And then I get about a couple houses. I hear one shot. Pow, like a gunshot. They're shooting at me, but they don't hit me. So now I'm so mad that they tried to rob me. Like I want to get them. So I was slamming the brakes and I pulled up in the driveway and there are like four of them are out there in the street. And I just take an aim going, pow, 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 pow. I'm the, like, they're high and ducking. I'm, I'm like trying to hit them. I took like 10 seconds to unload that right. mag. Like aim right. it. I'm aiming it. Pow, right. Pow. But anyways, and then you just took off. I just took off. Yeah, man. Wow. It was just, and you yeah. got to figure that happens every day. In Detroit. Every day. Are you kidding me? Wow. Are you kidding me? That happens every day in Detroit all the time. So how long was it until you took a fall? Until you actually caught your bid? You did 13 years in the Michigan mm-hmm. state prison system. How long was that before? How long after that incident before you fell? So about eight, eight years later, um, yeah. I had, I got busted for a um, bunch of dope house got raided and when that happened, the police did a really foul. They basically raided the house, but didn't charge me. You were selling a lot of heroin, right? Her- yeah, heroin, okay. weed too. And um, there was 30 pounds of weed in the house, in the garage. They didn't find it. because. And I who were t- your heroin connections? So at that time, my main heroin plug was a, was a wise guy. Named, uh, I don't know. So, so the, the wise guys were still bringing in heroin uh, as recently he was my cousin, yeah. as recently as like the 2000s. He's probably still doing it. That's why I'm not Interesting. And it's pa- it was powder heroin? 
No, he was buying it by the key. It was no it was, powder. I mean, like it was no, it was, it was China white. It, some, but it's usually brown brick. It was a brick. Right, you right. Know, they call it fingers. They'd resell it in fingers. They'd re-rock it in the fingers, right. one ounce fingers. Right. But um and what year was this? 2002. Yeah, I would be very curious to see because the Mexicans have basically subsumed yeah. all, all monopolized, monopolized all the the trade. I wonder if like you could still get like old fashioned East Coast china white yeah. heroin that you could sniff one of the guys that i used to get it from was from a dude named bebe who was a good dude black dude black dude yeah and um he got china white and he and was tell us about the profits real quick we got a wrap but i want to hear like a kilo of heroin of china white what it's like one hundred twenty thousand dollars. yeah yeah that's uh what is that 130 bucks a, a gram yeah so what do you cut that up into i, I didn't cut it up in the guy i just sold it in ounces yeah so yeah I sold it for like twenty five thousand wow. bucks in our um no ounces were quarter. I do sell four ounces for like twenty five thousand. Yeah, that's so, insane. Would yeah. you step on it? We no, just sell it pure, I, just pure because wow. those guys are going to step on it. They might as well. He was he was he was a guy I actually convinced to get out of the freaking heroin game. He's yeah. a good dude. And I said, yeah. you, I said, you got the plug in some of the best weed around this BC Canada. Bro, right. right. I said, just do weed, man. You could sell a thousand pounds, whatever it is, make yeah. the same money, but you're not going to risk it. Yeah. He's like, you're right. Right. So you're right. And then one day when I, after I got busted, when I was 29, the guy, Angelo, I was getting my heroin from, I owed him $180,000 for two kilos. Right. Yeah. So I gotta, I gotta pay him because he's family. I can't just yeah. dick him. Right. So I go to Bay Bay and say, listen, I need, I got somebody who's buying 220 pounds of weed, um, front it to me and I'll get the money and bring it back. Yeah. So I took 220 pounds of weed to Angelo and said, will you take this in lieu of the freaking money? Yeah. And, and I kept, I gave him 200, I kept 20. And so, by the yeah. way, how did you fuck up the money? How'd you fuck up the original money? Got for two keys? The cops, gotcha. the cops got it. Gotcha. And then the cops did the dirty thing of not charging me but nature everybody knew i got raided right so they tried so to you look like a rat i look like a yeah. rat oh everybody was like i don't know you well you right know what I'm saying? right and, and i'm like, like i swear to god i'm not rat exactly i'm telling everyone i could <laughs> i walk in a room it gets quiet i'm like How, how's that case sale yeah i didn't get charged with it mother yeah. they never yeah. charged me and then like finally did charge me and basically at that point i did i went on a crime spree yeah because i couldn't make no money all the guys i normally make money with they stop. They stop they messing with no, you. No, nobody wants to yeah. mess with me. So oh. now I'm a lone wolf. Yeah. So I grab a gun. You're did, like a leper at that point. When, exactly. when people in the drug game think you're snitching, yeah. it's like your persona non grata. Exactly. Nobody, nobody will buy from you, sell from you, nobody, sell to you. Yeah, nobody wanted to be my friend. Not trust yeah. me. I'm like, you yeah. want the efforts, man. I'm not ratting. And then they eventually charge me. But until in the meantime, I was just doing what gangsters do, not trying to brag or something. I just I picked up a gun and started robbing banks. Yeah. I started robbing drug dealers. I started robbing pimps. I robbed stores around and just yeah this that's a gun i grabbed a yeah. gun and robbed everybody yeah if i knew a guy was moving weight weed drugs whatever right. i put a pistol in his head and say open the safe give me everything and then i'll worry about you later man if you want to come get me later you better how be did it. you hit a bank tell us about a bank job <laughs> i hit a few the last one the last one was bad i uh this is actually a good story too i gotta tell it i was leaving my house in the morning put a suit on and i put my pistol in my waist look myself in the mirror and oh, I'm still a pretty handsome guy. I was a good At this point I was on drugs. I was using drugs myself. So You're using like, cocaine? Heroin. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, was, I went from pills from pills right. to heroin. And I, plus I was gambling. So were you in pain from, from the assault from, I, I was know? in pain because I injured myself. Yeah. It started with, I broke right. my ankle. I broke my ankle and my finger. 
in a fight. So these, that's how I started the pain pills. And, right. And that right. just escalated. One thing led to another. Okay. Yeah. And I was, on, you know, they, I'd be on for a few months and off for a few months, yeah. on for a few months. But anyways, I just bought a nice house in St. Clair Shores. I had a couple of toys, you know, a bunch of toys, you know, jet ski, four-wheeler, motorcycle, yeah. dirt bike, beautiful house, couple cars, engaged to get married, beautiful home I just bought. And so my wife, my girlfriend at the time says, it's bill day, you know, and we always split the bills. I said, well, what's, what's my half of the bills? She's like 2,200. And I'm like, all right. Place my pocket. I got seven hundred bucks in my name, and I got no dope. So I said, "All right, here's somebody's about to get robbed." Here's seven hundred bucks. I yeah. said, "I gave her a kiss." I know she looked at my gun. She looked at my gun, and she looked at me like you know. I give her seven hundred bucks. I said, "I'll go to the bank and get the rest." She gave her that. So I walked into the bank, pull up, walk in the bank. I had this fake bomb that I made out of like a <laughs> toolkit, right, and some wire sticking out of it and stuff. And I walked in there uh, and had it in an envelope. And I stuck it on the counter like I was grabbing a withdrawal form or something. Yeah. Stuck it on the counter, walked back out, drove through the drive through pushed the button and said, you have a bomb in the counter, right? And if I don't get freaking 75 grand in the next 90 seconds, it's going to go boom with everybody in it. If you run, it's going to go boom. If you call the cops, it's going to go boom. Clock's ticking. Tick, tock. They were like, all right. And they, they sent all the freaking filled a freaking bag full of money. They just handed it through the window they, to no, you? No, they went through the... the oh, through the, the chute. Yeah. yeah. You know? <laughs> Dude, that's awesome. And I freaking <laughs> ran out and off. Oh, my God. But, but, Drive-through service, dude. Yeah, but the problem was, okay, this is where it's stupid. They put a tracking device in the money. Of course, of like course. Dumb, I'm surprised they didn't, put, they didn't put an ink the, pack a in it. packer in there. No, that's because I got a bomb they didn't in have there. time, right. Or the bomb. I could still remote detonate right, the bomb. Right. So, you know, they didn't Did you want, have a fake... Yeah, detonator? I said I had my phone. I said it's detonated by my phone. If I put, you know, they don't know. The right, answer. right. They probably have a mandate, too, that if somebody threatens that, you just give them, you give them, give them money. Them, right. give them so, money. So I go and get on I-94 thinking, okay, I got some money. I don't know if it's 75 grand, but it's probably 20 grand. And I'm like, good, I'm good for a month. I don't got to worry about work. I got to do nothing, right? I go pay my bills. I'm all set, you know? I'm going to go get some dope. Plus, you got a dope habit, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to go get some dope right now, and I'm going to go freaking get a blunt, too. I right? you know, smoke blunt. So I go to get an expressway and I'm driving down the expressway and I'm in a stolen car, by the way. I'm in a stolen. Great. Great. Yeah. So you're a mess, Al. I was a mess. Yeah. Totally <laughs> a, mess. a stolen Yukon Denali, which I stole from a car lot. I walked in there and be like, Oh, I'm going to test drive this car. You know what I'm saying? I gave him a fake ID. Give me that test. Drive. I'll be back in a minute. Left. So I've been driving around the stolen car for a week. Just took it from a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm flying down the expressway and all of a sudden I see a black unmarked car on the side of the road. And I knew, I just knew. It, all of a sudden, it got off the expressway and started getting behind me. So I stomp on the gas and go. And all of a sudden, another cop car comes down the thing. And then before you know it, there's like four And I got in this big old high-speed chase, bro. Big hell. I was I had this mother after doing about 110, this Denali. And I actually, and they actually called off the chase. I was going so fast. Yeah. It called it back. I got off the exit. There's a police station where I got off. I forgot there's a police station on Allard Drive at Harper Woods. And I'm like, there was a cop sitting at the light right there and I, he's smoking a cigarette in his car and I'm like and he's like what the frick all these cops come flying he didn't know about the chase so I get away I get away and I end up going to the freaking my boys they got they work in the back of this gas station to sell bundles you know my do- bundles of dope like yeah. 12, 12 packs of dope yeah. and that, normally I would have went straight to Kenny and got an ounce or two or whatever yeah my main guy. But yeah. in the meantime, I just wanted to get high. So, so I went back and said, hey, let me get a couple of bundles and a couple of dime bags. They said, yeah. And they're back in the store. I give them 200 bucks for two bundles and two dime bags. 
and I buy a freaking strawberry milk and a blunt. And I go in the parking lot and I'm sitting there rolling, breaking up this blunt. I didn't even get high, nothing. And all of a sudden I hear, you know, the sound of the cop yeah. car coming. I don't even look. I know it's coming for me. So I stomp on the gas, go over the parking, over the, over the front lawn, swerve and lose control, smash into a parked car, bounce off. And I'm in another high speed chase. And I get away, and eventually I keep. I get away a couple of times. I don't know how they keep finding me. Duh! And it's freaking the, the money. And yeah. So they get yeah. me. They end up catching me. I get out and run with a bag of money and a pistol in my hand through the ghetto. White dude running with a bag of money yeah. and a pistol in the hood. People are definitely they're like locking their doors. Like, yeah. Hey, what's going on there? Oh, yeah. That's bad. That's yeah. Really bad. So they end up catching me. It's these six cops, and they end up freaking beating my ass really bad. Right. They they, they said they were all worked up because one of the cops. Uh, crash chasing me or right something. right the woman and so they right. got frenzied and they stomped my ass out I, I they beat my ass so bad when i went to, when i went into the uh after they yeah they, i actually told the guy i said i'm gonna kill some of you mother effers when i get out wow uh, i flat out said yeah the one dude this little urkel looking mother effer yeah I, I said bro i'm killing you and your family i said this right in front of the sergeant who was fingerprinting me wow the guy walks by says yeah mother he was the main guy yeah he runs up and tackles <laughs> bang he starts pistol whipping me he's like oh. what he's like why don't you shoot white boy why don't you shoot bang uh, bang oh bang. these are black cops black cops yeah. all six of them and he's yelling why don't you shoot white boy why don't you shoot bang yeah bang. they wanted to kill your Cracking ass me man. with a pit because and yeah i threw my pistol i threw it and yeah. he busted me split my head to get stitches i had to get a full body cat scan i was so busted up that so they beat your ass worse than in the time in the ghetto with the with the bottle and the fucking bat. I mean, in a way, I was they when they took me to Detroit Receiving, which is insane. It's like Somalia, yeah. Detroit Receiving Hospital. It's it's just all chaos. <laughs> it's crazy in there. And the, the it was a white nurse comes in. He goes, he looks at me. I'm all covered in bruises. Yeah, bleeding from multiple gashes on my head from they pistol with me. Well, so he goes, I don't even know where to start with you, bro. Wow. He's like, I got to give you a whole body cat scan. I don't wow. even know how bad. He's the one who told me about the freaking the lump in my chest mm -hmm. at that point he says this is you're not broken you just got superficial wounds and bruises so you're going to be sore for a while but you got some weird like tumor under your chest did you consider suing the city try to get some money out i of did they all lied and said that i fell off a fence and all this yeah crap. they all they yeah I, what was I? I was it's, going, it's I was, detroit man yeah and i was going to jail how am i going to sue from prison you know what I mean? so so what were the what were the charges and what did you cop out to so extortion, bank robbery, armed robbery, like four armed robbery. How did you not catch a Fed case if it was bank robbery? Because it wasn't a federally insured bank. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, it was like a little credit union or something? Yeah, it was a Comerica. It was Comerica Bank is what oh, it was. Oh, interesting. So if they're not federally insured, then it's not federal. Right. So I'm sure the feds could pick the case up if they wanted to, yeah, but it didn't sound could. like they gave a shit. No, they didn't. Because they stacked on... You know, running from the cops. Oh, God. They stacked that everything. I, that, I got me on a kidnap, kidnapping charge. How? How'd you kidnap? I took somebody's car at gunpoint and I walked them during the chase. And after I, yeah, in the chase, right. I grabbed somebody said, give me your car. And I, cause you were trying to dump the stolen you had. Yeah. Well, no, I crashed car. the stolen. Oh, I crashed okay. it into a right. house and left it and then kicked in their door and freaking they had a dog that almost bit me. I fired a warning shot. At right. It. And then I told the lady, come here, give me, I'm not going to hurt you. Just give me your car. Where's your car keys? She's like, I said, come here. I grabbed her by the arm. Just walk me to your car keys. Right. They walk. But if you walk somebody more than 15 feet, that's kidnapping. Kidnapping. So I freaking got, they dropped it. They dropped, but, but I so did. So what, what'd you cop to? Extortion, bank robbery, and like two armed robberies and, and the pistols. Yeah. I got freaking. Well, what do they want to give you? They wanted to give me 30 years. Yeah. Originally. Yeah. They wanted to give me 30 yeah. freaking years, but. But you didn't have, did you have a, a sheet as an adult at this point? Had you I, caught in a case? Oh, yeah. I, did they charge I, you as an adult with for, yeah. from the steroid beef? 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So had, you had a sheet. And I got busted for some weed, pounds of weed. Did you have a, you had a good lawyer though, it sounds like. Yeah. I, I, I got right? caught with 18 pounds of weed and that, God, I wish we had more time. That's an amazing story too. But, um, but anyways, I did, I, I, I got possession with intent to deliver yeah. for that. Well, what'd you cop to? How'd you, how'd you go to prison? What was the, what was the full extortion did, bank robbery? Armor? Did you, what was the, what was the amount of time? 13 to 50. Yeah. And you did. Okay. So you did 13. I did 13.3. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they, they, they said, uh, they wanted to give me 30 and I couldn't believe it when I went to go to, to uh, sentencing. They're like 30. I'm like, what the frick happened to this? They screwed me on a plea agreement, by the way, I was supposed to only get nine and a half years. I had Macomb County was giving me nine and a half years. Oakland County for the extortion was supposed to run it concurrent. So Oakland County said, here, sign this plea agreement. And we'll run it concurrent with whatever Macomb County gives you as long as it's on the bottom half of the guidelines. So I go over to Macomb County and plead guilty to all this like bank robbery, arm robbery, gun violation or whatever. So then Oakland County takes those convictions and reconfigures my guidelines using these brand new mm -hmm. convictions from yesterday and says, Oh, sorry, we're still going to give you the bottom half of the guidelines, but it's now 156 to 320 months instead of 74 to 114 months. So they just, stole, yeah. they stole three and a half years away. Yeah. And I told my lawyer, I'm like, what the frick? And I didn't have a good lawyer for, for that. That little extortion case, I wasn't even worried about it. My bond was only $20,000. I had $5 million in bonds from Macomb County and only $20,000 million for the extortion. And I said, I used a court-appointed lawyer. I'm like, what do I care about? They'll just run mm -hmm. this concurrent. Let's run a concurrent. And that's what happened. Uh, because I didn't use a good lawyer on this little yeah, this case over yeah. here. They fried Look me at out. that. Look at that. Just choosing to cheap out on a lawyer. Exactly. Like, that's cost how, me three years. That's how much difference a paid good lawyer yeah, versus a, yeah, a hack exactly. cost me three yeah. years three years of my life gone i tried to appeal it no, they don't they don't even look yeah. at cases like that you know what i'm saying so so the moral of the story is gunner al gunner lynn bloom uh you're a good guy you'd be tough to tell from the stories you just <laughs> relayed for the last couple hours you went to you went to prison you started writing in prison uh you became an author he's written how many books now Ten. I've written ten novels. Ten novels. Uh, he's currently under contract with what? Uh, what streamer to make a television series out of you? Well, a production company called Burnt Enterprise is making a, um, a TV series. Yeah. That I can't talk about exactly what the, what the series is right, about. Right. But I will say this: I'm the lead writer, and also yeah. it's a really amazing, incredible story. And um, there's some big, big names attached to it. Yeah. Big, big, big actors yeah. attached to it. Yeah. And then, of course, your clothing line. Yep. Art Thing Apparel. Yep. Which we're going to give a, a, a plug to. Um, yeah, man. So you really like, uh, you turned yourself around. Yeah. Prison was probably uh, the best thing that's ever happened to you because now you've got this amazing wife. You've got, you know, you live upstate. You got out of Detroit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you're doing what you love to do. I think you're doing your purpose now as a writer. Yeah, I think well, the, probably the most remarkable thing about my story, and I think everybody should hear it, is the fact that when I went to prison, I decided I didn't want to, I didn't want to go back to that life anymore. Yeah. I mean, and just like you, you know, I, I decided yeah. I'm going to change. How do I change? I just, you know, you have, it's your whole mindset. You start over. But I was in the hole for 17 months. In fact, I got beat by the cops when I was in the hole. I ever tell you that story? No. Like, We're going to save that for the Patreon, you guys, because we got to wrap. We've been going oh. so long. Well, the moral is my wife found me when I was in prison. And that's a really interesting story. So yeah. stay tuned that. Yeah. Hey, look me up. Go to my YouTube or look me up. How my wife discovered me was a fluke. Uh, found me on Facebook. She worked for a publisher in New York. Saw that I was a writer. Decided to write me. We started writing as pen pals. She fell in love with me. Yeah. Ended up waiting seven years. And then uh, here I am today. 
So we call that a ride or die. Ride or die. Yeah. She was totally ride or die, bro. That's all, awesome, man. All the way. That's awesome. Well, I'm I'm thrilled you came out to see us, man. That's that an fun. incredible story. Uh yeah, well, let's tell some prison stories on the Patreon. Okay. Um, you'll go check his website out. Plug yeah. the website. Gunner Detroit. Yeah. GunnerDetroit.com. GunnerDetroit.com. I mean, you know, his stories about the mob and about, you know, he just basically scratched the surface of, you know, his own personal tale. Yeah. Uh, it's fascinating. So, uh, and we are going to come out to Detroit and see you soon. Do something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Check him out. Thank you so much, Al. We'll my talk you, to you guys. My, my YouTube channel, I want to plug that. Yeah, it, it, absolutely. Which is Gunner Detroit or just Gunner Lindblom. I have a gun. So if you want a little more like in-depth look at me, I tell a lot of these stories there. There's like a couple hundred of them and I've interviewed a bunch of people and it's interesting. So if you want to check that out, check that out too. And ourthingapparel.com, custom make it to your city. Just saying, that's it, man. Go get yourself a tracksuit. We got some, yeah. we got some, uh, you know, definitely some gindaloons out there that would look good in a tracksuit. There we go. <laughs> yeah. But it'd be your city. He can go, he can custom make it. So yeah. if you live in, uh, you know, whatever your city is, Indianapolis, he'll make one for you. Yeah. You know. Okay, guys, take care. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>